Hey everybody, it's Chet. Welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. <clears throat> this week, I have a very special guest. I've been wanting to get him on the show pretty much since I started the podcast with Mike way back when, four years ago. Thomas Kuntz. That's right. He builds these amazing automatons. You've probably seen them, even if you didn't realize he made them. They've been featured in films and uh, uh, I believe in Crimson Peak. He had some stuff in Crimson Peak. Uh, he's collected by Guillermo del Toro. He's collected by all kinds of uh, collectors and he's super talented. Builds these things from scratch. <clears throat> we didn't talk as much um, about these automatons as I would have liked to just because there was so much in general to talk about. So um, hopefully we'll have him on a part two. Maybe I could, we could talk more technical stuff because uh, the work he does just completely uh, blows my mind. So very excited to have him on for today's interview. And uh, yeah, it was great. Great time. Great conversation. I was kind of excited having him on. So I may have uh been a bit a bit chatty been a bit too chatty but it was great great conversation super cool guy tons of respect for him great artist so that's coming up now what has been going on with me you might be asking since i give you my little update weekly <clears throat> for those who care uh i'm still working on my carrion cover for chris velasco's release of the carrion video game music that he made um, some unreleased tracks i believe it's a third third album he's releasing from the carrion sessions i guess um uh, trying to get that done because that's on a deadline uh what else am i doing Oh, did a lot of work on the book. A lot of work on the book. A lot of um, boring but satisfying work. Getting the, the text finalized. And um, that was uh, great. Really great. So excited. I mean, that's finalized. So now Mackie can finish a whole section, like a, a third of the book. And that'll be completely done. So anyway, that's moving along. Um that's about it. And I've got these uh, studies, still working on the study commissions, trying to get, you know, it's. I say the same thing every week. I don't even know why I bother with the updates because it's really the same thing. Yeah, I'm trying to catch up on everything. I'm trying to do all these commissions and blah, blah, blah. But uh, maybe I should just update you when something interesting or exciting happens. <laughs> okay. New, uh, new subscribers to Patreon. Now you can subscribe to patreon if you want to support this podcast at patreon.com slash dark art society and um we have one new subscriber this week and that is jens from artscum.org and inside art zine which is a really cool dark art magazine uh, i think out of germany i'm not 100 percent sure but I, I believe it is i was in there a long time ago i think they've used one of my images for something but it's a really really cool uh, magazine so thanks Jens appreciate it 
but that's it for this week. <clears throat> no other subscribers. Like I said, if you want to subscribe, you can join for as little as a dollar a month. And uh, at patreon.com slash darkartsociety and you get entry into the you get a early day early podcast you also get into the facebook group which is where all the action is you get access to the member section of the website darkartsociety.com and all that stuff also i have a patreon if, if you want to join I'm, I'm posting everything all the stuff i'm working on um on my Patreon now, all, all progress shots instead of social media. Social media, I just kind of post finished pieces and, and stuff like that. But if you want to see what I'm working on and check out my tutorials, oil painting tutorials and stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash chetzar. And you can join that for as little as a dollar a month as well. So, let's see. Uh... I guess I'll do the synesthesia word of the week. <clears throat> um, the, my, my uh, for those who don't know, I've got a weird form, a weird, completely useless form of synesthesia, and that is names and words have flavors. Y you have to look it up. It's a weird thing. It's hard to explain. But I'm gonna since um, I've been talking to Gabe Leonard the last day or two texting about things um i'm going to i'm gonna give the flavor of gabe and it's a strong one that's why i, I like to do the strong ones because some of them are stronger than others gabe or gabriel extremely strong and that tastes like alphabets cereal you know that cereal alphabets that's what gabe tastes like it's I can't explain it. I don't know why. Uh, all I know is that when I hear the word Gabe or the name Gabe, I automatically think of the flavor of alphabets cereal. Do they even make alphabets anymore? It's kind of like a 70s cereal. Um, most of my synesthesia words are definitely tied to the 70s because I'm sure that's where my brain became miswired or it's when I grew up and I already had a miswired brain anyway let's get on with it excellent interview with Thomas Kuntz hope you enjoy it hello Thomas hello how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I've been. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. I'm sorry it took a while, but I'm sort of a. <laughs> I was struggling with some of the, the wireless stuff. That's just so. so so ironic that it was a tech issue, and you're like a guy who builds robots, basically. Well, but you know, the thing is, I'm pretty good with with tech that doesn't constantly change. Right. It, like mechanical things and things like that but with with computer stuff it's just you got to be on it all the time you yeah. know and i i spend so much time on the other end of the spectrum that i don't get to play around on a computer for four hours a night right. like a lot of people get to do right for fun and you know so love it and hate it at the same time but we wouldn't be <laughs> we wouldn't be talking without it so i true I have to, true true I, I mean I, I i like the thing i don't like about um computer technology is that you 
you know, you can't see how it works. Even when you open a computer, it's just like, it's insane. Whereas this, the kind of work that you do, automatons, mechanical things, you can, you can figure it out. You could look at it. You could see how it, how it works. Like it's there right in front of you and you could see how the gears, Oh, I see how that's working. Computers exactly. are like, you know, just, just yeah. I mean, even if, even if you're even if you're an expert on the user side of a computer, you you know that guy doesn't know how a circuit is made, right? And could never make a circuit because you need special equipment to do right, that, right? Right. So, so it, it's a, it is kind of a a, a a mysterious thing to all of us, really. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think there's you know even people that are really good at it, I find that they get tripped up on some things or you know that that other people find very easy so it's it's like kind of specialized yeah yeah i mean it's i i, I love i really have always loved technology I, I i've always been into it since i was a kid but um you know it's just it's so hard to keep up with everything now the older i get okay. it's like you know how it is when i mean i think we're around the same age so it's like the older you get the faster time goes i finally realized yeah. why when I was growing up, old people were like, why are they wearing these out of date clothes and their styles are so out of date? And then I get to be old and I realize, oh, it's because when you're old, 10 years ago doesn't seem like 10 years ago. It seems like two years ago. So you kind of are wearing the same shit you were wearing 10 years ago and realizing like, oh, wow, this is like completely not that I care about that stuff at this point. But still, it makes sense why people as they get older um uh, kind of lose touch with what's current because time is, is different when you're 20 or like 15 to 20. That's like a huge yeah. long period with all these different changes in style. And, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been in this shop now since 96 and it feels like I moved in yesterday, wow, you know, yeah. and, but I'm originally from Arizona and Arizona seemed like a lifetime. Cause I was so eager to get out. Oh, really? You know, I, <laughs> Well, I mean, it's it's a nice place, but it's it's uh, there wasn't a lot going on there, right. you know, especially in the arts. It, you know, I would read Cinefix and Cinefantastique and all these magazines, Fangoria, mm. you know, before that, Famous Monsters. Yeah. And everything was in California, and I'm going, man, I wish I could live there. Every time we drove out here, I, I was just like, I I really would love to live in California, you know. Right. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's, so it's. But I think Arizona's picked up since then, but not a whole lot as far as, you know, my interests go. Yeah, yeah. So. I'll tell you uh, one thing about Arizona is it's really clean. Like whenever I travel through it or I've been to con tattoo conventions there, uh, I, I the rest stops are super clean. <laughs> and yeah. the city's like super neat and clean. I always notice that about it. It's a trip. Yeah. And <laughs> I will say I will say that a lot of times when people are sort of uh, when they're um, – you know, when you live in a place like that, the pressure is, is low enough to where you can kind of be as creative as you want without having to worry about how you're going to make ends meet, you mm, know, right. whereas not so much in California because you have to attach yourself to an industry or right, something right. To, to make a living. And, and so there there were a lot of creative people in Arizona. The ones that I knew that were creative were very creative, you know, because they had a whole lot of time on their hands. And, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, well, uh, the, 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 the one of my favorite bands sst bands from the punk days was um the meat puppets oh yeah the, the meat puppets are from yeah, arizona yeah. oh yeah and like totally yeah. weird psychedelic trippy music and it's like from arizona it's just funny it's funny when it comes from these kind of like weird art and music comes from kind of conservative areas it's 
sort of hilarious. Oh yeah, they they had uh, their their records used to be there was a record store called Zia Records, and I used to see their records there. And they used to have it. You know, Zia was sort of that's where you could go to find like punk or post punk. You right. know, I mean, goth, goth wasn't even a word back then. Right. <laughs> ago. That, I didn't even hear that term until I came to California. But uh, uh, yeah, the Meat Puppets. My buddy loved them, and we used to drive around. I, I had an old '67 uh, BMW with the top open and we would blast that you know people would stare at us <laughs> what the hell is that, but, shit? Yeah, I, I haven't heard i haven't heard about them for a long time but yeah meat puppets i yeah. remember them they were cool they were a cool band um yeah I, I think i got to see them play actually them with Firehose, which is another oh yeah really cool band from from those those days so anyway let's get the interview started proper um you I, i've been i've been wanting you've been on my list since the beginning of this podcast and so i'm really excited to have you on i'm uh, very excited here huge 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 fan i mean you're uh i i a friend of mine i i posted a little teaser and we have a uh a private facebook group for patreon subscribers so i'll uh uh, uh was that oh <laughs> Some, something going on there <laughs> oh no i'm just getting coffee oh excellent excellent oh oh and uh danny is here too my my girlfriend and she works with me on a lot of this stuff hi danny <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> that's what <laughs> he was kind enough to bring me some coffee so. excellent excellent um so anyway i was saying uh uh, uh oh i i put a little preview of of um what are your automatons in the in the facebook group for the patreon subscribers because yeah, it's oh, a nice. little private group and people were really excited, and um, nice. yeah, a friend of mine messaged me, and he's like, "Who, who is, who is the Who's on the, who's on the podcast? What was that image from?" And I, I was like, "Thomas Kuntz," and he's like, "Oh, that guy's a genius," and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that dude is a genius." <laughs> so no. I, I mean, what, what, what I, I mean, first off, you're, you're like the, the perfect guest because I know you enough to talk to you, but I don't really know anything about your, your life. So it's like right. there's a kind of a rapport there. I don't feel totally uncomfortable like I don't know you, but I also yeah. don't know anything about your life. So it's really other than stuff I read on the Internet or f- mutual friends. We have a lot of mutual friends. Oh, so, yeah. So it's uh, so you're kind of the perfect, perfect guest um, in my mind if, if, in that way. But um, uh, I have to say one of the things I think is really unusual about you, aside from the fact that you make automatons <laughs> like one of the only people doing that. And making these amazing, cool, just, I just can't, there's, you know how good they are, but from an, as an outside person, it's, you know, they're those things you see them and you're like, oh my God, that bastard, you know, like <laughs> he's, he's doing uh-huh. this thing that, you know, I wish I was doing that. It's so damn good. But, um, I just, I want to make the point before I forget, cause I think about this all the time when I look at your work okay. is that what's unusual is that you do all this crazy mechanical work, which is, you know, really intricate and very difficult to do, but you're also really good at the art end of it. Like you're a top notch sculptor and you're, you're drawing your draftsman uh, abilities, drafts, drafting, or whatever you want to call it, rendering. I mean, you're an excellent artist and you can do the, uh, and an excellent mechanic. And in the film industry, uh, where I come from, that was such a rare thing. It's like I know I know some mechanical geniuses for sure, like Mark Satrakian oh. and and oh. people like that, but they don't they're not like 
they they don't do physical sculptures or renderings in pencil or you know so it's you're a, you're an unusual combination of, of both of those things which is really cool I well think. thank you yeah it's uh uh i mean just your sculptures alone are excellent but then it's like they move and you made all the mechanisms it's kind of <laughs> insane <laughs> so anyway that's that's a uh, i just think that's a uh, that's strange it's kind of it unusual. is a little it is, a, it is strange, but it, it kind of was born out of uh, not being able to afford, you know, the, the, the people I needed to do the work. Right. <laughs> That's yeah. the funny, you know, because a lot of, uh, you know, even mold making, you know, the very first time I, I wanted to make a mold, I, I did a, a cabinet of Dr. Caligari figure, and this was in the 80s, right. you know, like garage kits were brand new. And, you know, all, all the Japanese were doing wonderful stuff they were they were in my opinion they're kind of the ones that were really spearheading everything the billiken and billiken, billiken and all that. yeah oh yeah Amazing. billiken coyoto all those guys in the and and anyway the, and future remember future that company future that did all the weird like uh oh, they were very surreal they weren't based oh, really? on necessarily movies and stuff you know yeah, yeah and whereas the american guys were most of it was sort of fan it, you know, like fan art based on old TV shows or or whatever, and some Universal, uh, but there right. weren't a whole lot of there weren't a whole lot of other people doing it, and and most of the, the the people that were doing resin, it was really bad. I mean, the, the castings were right. really poor because they were doing it out out of their garage with no equipment and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, I remember, you know, I wanted the castings to be good, so I took them to a place uh, at the time. I had just moved to Santa Barbara from Arizona. And I went to a place and I said, how much would it cost to mold this 12 inch figure? And the guy, the price, I can't remember. It was like, at the time it was like a thousand, I don't know, $1,500 or something to, to mold it, which I think is fair now that I look at it. But <laughs> at the time, at the time I was, you know, my rent was, I think, uh, my part of the rent was like 500 bucks, Right. <laughs> you know, so that was, that was a lot of money. And I, I'm like, well, I'll just try to do it myself. And I had done it once before for an architectural model place in Arizona as a, sort of an apprentice. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's how that started. And then I had to buy the equipment and figure, you know, right. um, and, and the same thing happened with, uh, with all the mechanical stuff, but that came later on, right. you know, when yeah, you I just kind finally, of did it, it learned as you went sort of need to know basis. Kind yeah. Of. But not because there weren't better people to do it. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there were way better people to do it. And I, wasn't in, any money. In, in hindsight, I probably should have worked with more people, you know, than I have, uh, I'm trying to learn that now is to, cause you can't do everything by right. yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, that's, that's definitely one thing you learn eventually is it, is it sometimes even if you can do it all by yourself at a certain point, you realize it's not worth it for me to be doing everything. You know, yeah. I kind of, when I first try, decided I was going to tr- try and be a fine artist in uh, 2000 I had this sculpture I was sculpting during lunch breaks at working at Rick Baker's and I, and I was like I'm gonna sculpt it mold it cast it seam it paint it everything and I uh, spent like forever on the sculpture and um, then I molded it and then I cast it by the time I was done I was like there's no way I'm gonna I'm going to do all that shit again. There's it's too, no, it's, it's too it's much a lot work. work. It's so much, it just takes so much time. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's like someone else could is way better at mold making than me. And so yep. I could, but again, I couldn't afford anybody anyway. So uh, I had to mold it. I mean, it's good to know yep. that 
good to know that stuff. And for well, me. I mean, you you were you must have been because weren't you at Stan Winston's at one point as well? No, no, I never. That's one of the no? places I didn't work. No, I was oh, like okay. at uh, Tony Gardner's for ten years, and then um, Rick Baker's and Spectral Motion. Oh, like Spectral Michael Motion, Gilda. yeah, five years at both of those places. But, um, yeah, I haven't I I haven't worked formally for any shop, which is kind of weird considering you know um, the the type of thing I'm into. But when I when I was coming from Arizona, it, it happened right at the time, uh, late '80s. So you know by the time '93 happened, '93 was Jurassic Park, correct? I think right around yeah, there. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about and, right. And, and I saw the writing on the wall. I'm like, all that stuff I've been reading about in magazines is is you know that era is kind of is going to go oh, yeah. away. How do you think we felt? <laughs> Every, oh, everyone yeah. was seriously bummed in all the shops. It was like, oh a, yeah. You could feel it. Everyone was like, "Oh, oh yeah," shit. And, I, and I, you know, honestly, I still miss those films. I miss, I, I really miss those that that spirit that was happening at, at that time. Yeah. You know, kind of the independent, uh, uh, you know, smaller budget but really creative, weird movies coming out. Right, right, yeah, yeah. That was fun stuff. Yeah, it was definitely like a renaissance, really. Period, like the eighties and nineties, uh, before early nineties. But that's that's what I was aiming for in Arizona. You know, I'm I'm looking at magazines where you guys. I'm looking at pictures of you guys doing what you're doing, right? And I'm like, oh, I want to do what those guys are doing. <laughs> yeah, but um, you uh, you 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 what? However, it happened, you made the right choice because <laughs> eventually you would have been like, I got to get out of this. Well, which is what happened to me? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. That I I saw it. Yeah. Um, that's that's the one thing is is uh, I I try to adapt. And I'm I'm not the best at it, but I I like if 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 I if I see something's going in a direction, where it's not. I mean, the whole thing with me is it's got to be fun. I mean, right. if it's not if it's not fun, just get a regular, right? You know, nine five job and make money. You know, yeah. but because otherwise it, you got to keep it fun. And uh, I saw so many people that were when all that was happening, they weren't having fun anymore. Right. You know, and they were, and a lot of them were uh, you know people that I had become friendly with, and they were just like, yeah, so many things are changing, and this just isn't what you know it isn't yep. what it used to be like. And yeah, so that's why Rick closed his shop, I think. You know, eventually, just yeah, no time, well, I mean, no budget. It was such a, it was such a massive shop too. Yeah. It was such a, it was a big engine to run. You know, mm-hmm. and it's understandable. Yeah, definitely. And if you look at all but the, look cool, at, cool, but look at what Rick's doing now. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> all that cool stuff he's doing. Oh my god! Know? Yeah, it's like it's, he's yeah. he's getting, it's getting to play now. You know. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. You know, I I assumed that you had at least worked in the in the in the film business i i thought you had maybe very, done some film work very because little. every i everybody i know that it's like i know you like i've known of you probably you know the whole time i was in effects practically and it's always yeah. through other people that know you and it's all effects people so you yeah. you know a lot of effects well, people i guess maybe because of the model yeah, kit thing too I think it's the kit thing um, because what happened was when, you know, when I was doing the kits, I remember like the effects guys were, <laughs> I'd run into them at shows, you know, and, and, and some of them were really not like Rick Baker. I actually, I had one day on Gremlins 2 kind of as a background puppeteer. Oh, really? And that was just through a, uh, someone that's like, hey, do you want to go and do this today? You know, <laughs> and I remember I, I, I got to meet uh, Rick briefly. I doubt he'd remember that that meeting, but um 
I remember just like on the whole time I was on the set, I'm looking around at all these puppets and the, like just how well those gremlins were made. And right. I was like, man, you know, this is this is the coolest thing. But I I was a I was a garage kid guy, you know, do, right. while I was doing that. and um, I, I didn't I didn't end up where I think the first time I attempted to <laughs> I, I I tried to go to uh, Winston's shop when I was moving from Santa, I moved to Santa Barbara for soccer, but that's a whole nother story. Okay. <laughs> I was a soccer player for like 20 plus years. Oh, wow. And there, yeah. So I moved there for that. And then, um, I, I started making my way to, to, uh, Los Angeles cause I knew I had to make a living somehow and that was not going to be it. Uh, so I, I ended up literally, I drove to Winston's one day and I think of it now and I'm like, what an idiot. You know, I, I drove there and <laughs> I just showed up at their door like right before I think closing or something. And I said, Oh, I just wanted to bring by my portfolio. And, the, and I remember John Rosengrant was there and he was, you know, he was looking at me like you poor kid, you have no, you have no idea how this is done, you know, but he, he was nice enough. He invited me in anyway. And he, he was looking through the book and the thing that impressed him out of the portfolio was, was like military aircraft and stuff that I had done. That's oh, what wow. he was. That was the thing that he got in. He's like, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And later I learned why, because he used to do these miniature, uh, uh, he used to do these miniature military figures when he got off work. That's okay. what, that was something he was into doing, right, you know, right. but that was it. And I, after that, I kind of felt, you know, he, he was really nice. So he said, you have the fortitude, but you might want to start at a shop where the pace is not so high or mm -hmm. fast, you know, mm -hmm. or the volume not so high and the pace so fast. Right. And it was very good advice actually, you know? Yeah. Well, okay. Before we get too far into that, I let's 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 go back a little further and get some of the the background out of the way. You were born in Arizona. I was born in Arizona, and um, what part of Arizona? I grew. Uh, I I was born in uh, uh, Phoenix, mm -hmm. but I mostly was most most of my life was in Mesa, uh, not far from um, an airport, which I an old airfield I used to hang out at, and that's kind of why. I'm interested in all that old, uh, you know, the World War II airplanes and everything because oh, okay. I kind of grew up around all that stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you're but, uh, you're a, a, a were you a monster kid from an oh, early yeah. age? Yes, very very early age, uh, <laughs> as as early as I can remember, you know, and that that came from watching uh, uh you know Night Gallery, yeah, and uh, uh, Night Stalker and yeah. Uh, you know, pretty much anything that I could find on Arizona TV, um, which I'm learning now was not as good as it was it was out here hmm. from people from people that I've talked to that said that there were you know there were there were all kinds of shows like that that had that featured old movies. Right. Um, a big famous monsters fan. I still have them. Still have yeah. all those old views. You know. Yeah. Same here. I had a subscription. My mom yeah? let me subscribe oh. to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know. See, I. I in, in my family, that was a little bit kind of, it wasn't forbidden, but it was not exactly encouraged. Right. Uh, but your mom was an artist, though. She was definitely, so yeah. She would probably Excellent. have understood more. Maybe your dad was a surgeon, I believe. So Yes. <laughs> so my, my mom was, uh, my, my mom loved very cute things. Mm. So she, like, okay. if, we, if, if we went to Disneyland, It's a Small World, <laughs> it was her place or the Tiki Room, you know. Right. And, but you wanted uh, to go to Haunted would, Mansion, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, I wanted to go to yeah, Mansion, the Pirates, but but we did. Kind of, I mean, the, I kind of came around on the Tiki Room after a while, you know. But it, when I was young, though, I, I thought, you know, this is 
this is kind of my family, my, my parents' generation, you know, the, the music and everything was right. very much, I thought, but now of course I love it because of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, 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 I just miss those times. So, oh, yeah, yeah. so she didn't like scary things. Hmm. And my dad, my dad was a surgeon and he had a lot of books on, uh, you know, anatomy and, and, uh, just all, you know, he, he was one thing about my, both my parents is they studied a lot. They were okay. always reading books and they loved books. They loved to, to be learning all the time. And I think I got a lot of that from them, especially, mm-hmm. you know, on my mom's side, because it, it was all art related. And she would she would always say books and tools are never a waste of money. You mm, know, wow. If, if, so, Excellent. yeah. So she was she uh, <laughs> she she was the first person that bought me an airbrush because oh, wow. I was. I was looking at how I'm like, how do they make that pattern on on airplanes where, where it all blends? And, you know, she dodged it because I knew she didn't want to buy the thing. She was expensive, <laughs> right? So eventually she broke down and got me a single action and kind of let me work my way up from oh, there. Cool. But uh, that's cool. But she was a sweetheart. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, my mom yeah. Was, was super supportive. Also, it's like we didn't have a lot of money growing up and she always managed to you know, I, if I needed some latex, she would always manage to find money to buy me some latex when I started getting Uh into that, you know, she was always somehow found the money to support me doing this. So I was able to, you know, learn how to make molds and start making masks. Yeah, it was really, and, and she, she was very, uh, she was super not into horror at all but she she it didn't bother her with me like she saw that it was something i was really engaged in and she always was supportive of it she was always really really cool and kind of saw maybe the the sense of humor in it too because you know mad magazine was also a big influence so it was like i was kind of like night gallery uh oh yeah night stalker but mad magazine too you know it's like (laughs) it's all that same kind of what a great time to grow up, man! All, it all was a great time cool to grow shit. up with auroras, the, mm-hmm. the auroras and the hammer horror, hammer horrors yeah. and all that stuff, and so much cool you know, stuff. It, it, so much fun stuff, and man, but yeah, I mean, your mom just by by being encouraged. I mean, parents that encourage their kids that that, that can change your life, you know. Oh yeah. It, just it, it. I mean, I know so many people that are like, yeah, I got no encouragement at all. Like, you know, I was told not to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know someone uh, who was some, some, yeah, some did it anyway, and then some just didn't right. do anything. Right, right. Um, yeah, I have a friend whose mother was super religious and used to say that he was possessed by the devil because he was oh, making all this monster yeah. stuff. It's like, oh man, but he still did it anyway. You know, he did it. Though. Well, good for good for him. I know, right? <laughs> So um, were you, I'm sure you are artistically inclined from an early age as well. Yes, I was always drawing stuff. And uh, and again, my mom, you know, I, I started sculpting things a little bit here and there and even animating things at, at a very early age. I remember my mom used to, she used to make this, uh, this dough. It was like a plate, I guess it was Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was like her version of Play-Doh. And I would make school projects out of that. And, and one of them was like a mechanical monkey because uh, I was big into Planet of the Eight, huge yeah, into Planet yeah. of the Eight. Me too. Yeah. Obsessed, <laughs> and uh, and so I she she you know kind of showed me that, that clay and you know how to use it and I, I made a, a thing for that and then I'm like well mom in this magazine is this you know famous monsters that they have these these monkeys and they they but they can talk they're not just like a mask they can talk you know and and then I found out how they I saw some pictures of them you know 
how they did that. Mm -hmm. And so then I wanted to make, <laughs> make masks. And my, and my mom's like, well, you know, we can get, you know, she, like your mom, she bought me the latex and everything. Oh, wow. And, uh, and you know, made I, I sculpted the thing, made the plaster, you know, and I, somewhere in one of my boxes, I still have like, you know, crusty, uh, like crusty bits of the thing. But it, yeah, I was just, I wanted to make that, that Planet of the Ape uh, prosthetic. Of course, it didn't look like the Chambers version, but, you know. That's cool. So you were you were on your way to becoming a makeup effects. Artist. Well, I that that's kind of what I yeah absolutely. When I was in the eighties, if you'd asked said what would you like to do most right now, it would have been that would have been like one of two things that I really wanted to do. Wow. You know, and um, and and the other one was had a timestamp on it, and I was already getting too old, which was the soccer thing. Yeah, so yeah. I, Tell I thought, me a little about that. That's how did oh it's, how did that happen? It's, you um, well, playing but, but you were good. My dad actually. <laughs> My, my dad played professional in Mexico in the very early days of, of you know, like in the in the late 40s. Oh, he was wow. a, he played. For, yeah, he played for Atlante. And my my grandfather was a, a, uh, a referee. So it's in my it's in my family. Like right. all my brothers still my brothers still coach to this day. Wow. My two brothers. Um, but uh, yeah, so I grew up with it and I, I just I loved it. I had fun, got to travel all over the world because of it. Wow. Um, and. Oh, I had a chance to stay in Austria at, at age 18 as a as a you know uh, an apprentice professional. I didn't take it up, but it um, you know it, it, it was it was one of those experiences that I don't regret. It's weird for artists because I know most artists hate athletics at all, right, but right. when you, but if there's a lot of art I wouldn't have seen if I didn't go to Europe. You know, you know, you know so it, yeah, and and it's, yeah, so that's it, it, you know you you wouldn't have gotten there without that being involved in that sport you know but 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 absolutely no because we, we we certainly wouldn't have just gone out there for an art trip you know right um but i got to see so many of the you know and, and that was an eye-opener just seeing some of that old european art just blew me away and then i got to go to china in 87 oh, wow. same thing yeah and they took us on you know they took us to the forbidden city and they took us and so we were seeing these monumental just unbelievable things that look like to me it was like Indiana Jones, right. you know, it was that level of, like, I can't believe this thing, you know, yeah, it's huge yeah. sculptures, yeah. you know? Yeah. I went to China so, in, uh, early or mid nineties to work on a movie yeah. and it's like, there's so much old, old ancient stuff, like everywhere, <laughs> like yeah. the apartments and stuff are just like, it's <laughs> so old. It's just like, yeah, no and big they, deal. And they were, they were counting on abacus, you know, they, instead yeah. of a cash register, they were they were doing everything yep. like really fast yeah abacus unbelievable yeah but uh but yeah i don't trade those experiences but i i always knew that that was going to be temporary and that i was going to be an artist and i always oh, really? knew that oh yeah oh, and okay. i and i knew and i knew that it was going to be this kind of stuff you know i it was always clear and all the drawings from my childhood show it you know right <laughs> and i i was a big also a big imagineering fan from the old disney shows mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I, you, you must remember those wonderful as well, world right? of disney and all that yeah oh, yeah I, yeah i grew up absolutely with it. every sunday it would be like go take your bath you'd get out you'd be all like fresh and you put your pajamas on your hair would be wet and you go watch <laughs> like i think it was at seven o'clock a wonderful world of disney on channel four yeah it was. <laughs> yeah oh man amazing and that that to me again was one of those things where it just yeah it blew my mind um and going we went to disneyland you know whenever we could and and that was a huge uh, in fact i would say that was a bigger influence on me than any other artist because it, it was kind of everything all in one mm -hmm. which is why i like special effects 
there was a lot right. of different disciplines. And I, I'm just, I, I've always been curious about a lot of things and I, I've never had any training in any of that stuff. Right. I, I, I'm terrible, terrible at math. I mean, really? Like, <laughs> oh yeah. That's so funny. Embarrassing, embarrassingly I am, bad. Like, I, I am too, but I'm not making automatons. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that no one, no one told me, um, you know, books are usually written very, uh, as they should be. They're, they're telling you the proper way to do everything, right. you know? and kind of the clinical uh, textbook way of doing things, but there's with everything. And I think, I think, you know, you, you've been, you've been through all this stuff and you know yourself that there are several different ways to do things. Right. And, and a lot of them aren't textbook. A lot of them are, are, you know, they're not exactly, uh, it's not hack work, but it's kind of a, a shortcut or a, a way to get there right. without going through. You know, uh, and for me, you know, the math part of it, I always thought I couldn't do any machining because I didn't have those skills. Right. That's what uh, I would assume and you, too. Yeah. But the, but the truth is, is that, um, no, you can, it's just that I come at it from a different way. And it's, you know, I'm sure that people that do it properly would be like, what is this guy doing? You know, <laughs> is um, it more like I, trial I, and error? It's like, I'm going to, I kind of know I have the shape, but it's like, cause you've got like differentials between gears. Is it sort of like you well, try that, it out to see how it works and then if it doesn't, it's like, oh, it needs one more gear on the notch on it, or, or well, what? you know, that's that's another area where I was kind of lucky. Well, two for two reasons in particular, many others, but um, in, in the eighties, I, I my my father had I was doing surgery on a guy who wasn't expected to live. It was like ninety high ninety ninety eight percent or something that he was not supposed to live. Wow, really, really, he, he had a lot of troubles in his heart and uh, and related areas and. Uh, but he survived the surgery, and when he was recovering, he was drawing on a napkin. And my dad, my dad's like, "What are you doing there?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm designing something for a theme park in Korea somewhere, you know." And he's like, "Oh," he goes, "That's funny. My son's always drawing on napkins too." And he's like, he looked at my dad and he goes, "I want to meet your son, just like that, wow. right?" And, Cosmic. And and at the t- at the time, it was a weird moment because my dad my dad had a private practice, and then the HMOs came in and wiped that out. Oh, wow. like it, so you kind of had to join or die right wow. yeah and so he he ended up joining uh that company corporate fhp but he had to move to california briefly until they had a, a branch in arizona and that's when all that happened and he mm. met this guy when i look at it now i'm like what are the what are the odds you know oh, yeah the stars are aligned but, but this, yeah but this fellow's name was Vern preston and he's sort of an enig- enigmatic figure in the world he was definitely one of the pioneers of audio animatronics Wow. Back in the day, in the you know in the fifties uh, and sixties, seventies, uh, so I don't know. The whole, I'm still working on that mystery, and I've asked people about it, including Garner Holt, who now builds a lot of the stuff for Disney. Right. You know, and I I asked Bob Gurr about it. Bob Gurr worked on the actual uh, animatronic Lincoln at the park. You know, in in the early days, and all the vehicles. Bob did all that stuff too, but. Um, but this guy, you know, he 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 had a book that he was going to publish, and he never got to publish it. And it was uh, it was all typewritten, and in the book he was describing some mechanical stuff, right? And and it was all like the penmanship and everything. There was a lot of grammatical errors in it because it was just a it was a rough copy, you know. Right. And he gave me this book, and I looked at it, and it was like I couldn't, you know, to me it was like a foreign language, I, right? Because this guy, he was an engineer, so it had all these circuit drawings and everything in it. And uh, but I, I I kept it with me and I would look at it from time to time and try to swallow as much as I could, 
you know, and then I would go to all the, the, the surplus stores out here in California, which was a hotbed for aerospace. So mm-hmm. there were all these stores you could buy gears and stuff right. that were already made. And that's kind of how I started tinkering. But if I'd have had if if I'd have had to figure all that out from you know zero, I probably would have been too intimidating. Wow. You know, but I was able, I was get, got those parts and I got to play with them and kind of see how oh that's how that's how these guys were doing that. You know, wow. and to this day I can't those guys were like those old machinists were something else, man. Oh yeah, they're yeah. very underrated. You know, because we artists we can cheat a lot you know like we, <laughs> yep. you know what I mean? it, it's pretty loosey-goosey yeah and, for and sure for sure you have a lot of you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want you know and it's encouraged actually mm-hmm. so uh the machine world's not at all like that you, you make a mistake and you throw the thing away and you start over you know right, so it's right. i i at heart i'm not that guy you right. know i've really had i've had to work at being that character because i'm much more of the you know I, I I'm pretty loose in the in the drawings and all that stuff. I don't I don't like to get you know right super uh uh how you want to call it clinical I guess right. is the right word yeah yeah I remember uh, but, um, when I when I worked at the uh, uh, for a while Tony Gardner we started a mask company for him and we were doing Halloween masks for like three years and and next to our um our our unit was a machinist this old dude. And his whole, it's like all he ever worked on was this one big ass machine that he made himself that, <laughs> that took wire coat hangers and pro- it probably, it probably, you know, took a wire and turned it into a coat hanger. But as far as, the, as far as I knew, it would take regular wire hangers that are already made and it would go through this conveyor system and it would wrap, you know, there's paper around you know oh yeah wire hangers and it would like wrap and fold the paper around it it's like (laughs) he was constantly working on this machine like to perfect it and it was it was so strange but it was like it was so amazing this big ass machine that kind of took this whole thing that all this stuff would go through and the the, you know you know how those those industrial machines are they're so cool they're amazing yeah and and that that kind of mind to think of that Mm -hmm. you know that's that's the thing that kills me is that, you know, someone had to think of all this stuff a long time ago and, you know, pretty much ever since then, we're just kind of mimicking it, right, you know, right. maybe, maybe adding a little thing here or there, but those guys did the heavy lifting. I mean, right. even, even people don't even realize it's like computers wouldn't have been possible without those guys, you know, because right, yeah, they, yeah. they had to make the machines that made the machines, right. you know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fascinating stuff to me. I, I, I'm probably more, um, uh, like machinists to me are, are, are a lot of these guys are, are like, you know, you never heard of them, right. you know, yeah. they'll never make, they'll never make a ton of money. And it's understandable why, because it's, it's not done until it's, until it works. Right. You yeah, know, yeah. and w- with us, like if we're, if you're sculpting, you know, if I'm sculpting, if I make a mistake, eh, I just push, you know, to push yeah. it back, <laughs> not, uh, you know, I, uh, but, uh, it, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I mean, I was always, um, it's 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 funny because I as much as I was I was you know like an art kid sculpting it was always the you know tactile creative oh, yeah. clay and paint and drawing I was also I, I have to tell the story I've told it a few times it, it was a very proud moment for me and um and and it made me think I used to because I used to make like mechanical 
heads for when I was oh. studying on my own, like, you know, heads of the brows moved. Cause I just thought oh, cool. that shit was just so cool. Like mechanical heads when I was a kid, yeah. you know, <laughs> or mechanical masks that were, the, you could do the expression. I just thought it was so amazing. I used to make stuff with like bike cables and yeah, yeah. and all that. But, um, <laughs> I remember when I think I was probably like 12 years old, there was Carlo Rambaldi exhibit in LA. Oh, yeah. It was around the, or yeah, it was around the, it was seven, no, no, when King Kong, the King Kong came out, they had this big Carlo Rambaldi exhibit, which my mom took me to. And, um, but I remember she was showing me in the paper and it showed like a bunch of his plans for, you know, behind the scenes, just like his drawings of how he was going to make this giant mechanical head and mechanical hand and i saw this this mechanical hand skeleton and i was like oh i could i can tell because it was like you know there was like triangles on each finger was like a triangle shape so that when you pull the bottom you know how uh how oh yeah that you know it's hinged here the fulcrum or the part that you pull you know what i'm talking about but i saw that and i was like Oh, I get it now. Cause I always wondered how do they make things like fingers bend? And I saw that and I was like, I, I have to try and build that. I have to try and make that. <laughs> and so I, I got crazy glue and toothpicks and I reproduced it and fishing line to connect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and it worked and I had this hand and it's like, I mean, it didn't have any spring back, but I could right. hold it down like that and pull the strings and it would totally go like that sure. it was like it was like the coolest thing i ever made so i was like i'm totally into uh what you do on the mechanical side too i've always been like interested in that i just never once you kind of go on a career path you know it's just like i, I started i was got into sculpting and then i got hired as a sculptor and i never really had a chance to to do the mechanical type stuff but um i feel well, like i kind of had a little bit of a you know predisposition oh, no. That's it, fun. Maybe, you know, you, I'd love to see that little hand. I, I mean, know, that, I that wish I had it. <laughs> it's, oh, gone. Man. it's gone. Yeah. I, I have very, very little left from my childhood, but I still have a, I have a mechanical shark that I did for science fair. <laughs> I, went to, I unfortunately was a Catholic school kid. So I, oh, wow. uh, we, we had these science fairs and, uh, I was big, big into jaws, of course, uh-huh. in the seventies. Yep. And, you know, use that as an excuse to do a science fair, right? Uh, <laughs> give it on sharks. And so I made, I made a, uh, it was a, it was a, a paper mache shark, a white shark. And it, uh, I learned from my mom because she taught me how to do paper mache. And, and I, I stole, there was a tank. It was a, it was a toy tank that had like a reciprocating motion for, for the gun, right? Uh-huh. And I stole the mechanism and I used that to articulate the jaw. Amazing. <laughs> And I put it inside, you know, I put it inside the paper mache. And of course, I, I sealed it because like, you know, why would I ever need to get back in there again <laughs> <laughs> when you're a kid? And I put it on the trolley. I tried to make the trolley like the making of Jaws book. You remember that book? Uh-huh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little paperback book. And I, so I was yep. trying to see the pictures, but they're kind of murky pictures. And I Anyway, I that was like that science fair at the tail end of it. That was that was like my my big moment. Right. So I. And I <laughs> Touched the wires together and this thing jumped at the at the at the nun. And she, <laughs> <laughs> she freaked out. But I, I got some award. I don't remember what I got. I didn't get like the best, but I think I got maybe second place or something. Despite wow. the fact that I scared scared the nun. But uh, I still have I still have that shark. Really? Still, 
Yeah, oh, that's amazing. What's, what's left of it anyway. That's yeah. so cool. That's so cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's kind of like uh, really. Do, do you think that was the first like mechanic thing like an automaton of, that you that you made? Yeah, I, I'd say one of them for sure. Yeah. You know, and so you were doing that the, early. You were you were. I I was, but early. I wasn't. You know, I, again, I felt like you know I, I was looking at. Uh, you know, when you see the wonderful world of Disney and they, they give you these back, you know, uh, these some of these, they're on the Internet right now. You can see them on YouTube, oh, but it's really? like the make Haunted Mansion. Oh, or yeah, yeah, yeah. They would show these workshops with all these people doing these really intricate mechanical. And I'm just going, my goodness, that would be, you know, like that's the thing I'd, I'd really want to do, you know. And um, honestly, that's kind of uh, it, it certainly started me looking and then as i as i was studying walt disney i realized that uh a lot of the books were talking about how he would get toys from europe right and he would hand them to his engineers and uh, one of the things that he handed to his engineers was a uh uh it was a, a mechanical clockwork bird that they made in switzerland uh they made them actually in in france and in switzerland and in germany but they were i i have a few of these things that, that they're but they're singing birds and their their little heads move and they're you know, mm-hmm. beaks open and, and very intricate. And um, he, he gave the, he gave one of these to his engineers, and he's like, "Take it apart and see how this thing works." Right. So those things have a tradition going back to like 1700s. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's how they were actually made. They were originally made for very rich people who wanted to hear the songbird in the middle of the, in the dead of winter. Right. <laughs> and, and so what they were doing on the full size, they had little tiny ones, and then they had full size birds. And the full size birds were actually uh, carcasses from from South America that they would put on these brass robotic birds. Uh, I, I shouldn't say robotic; they were automatons. Mm-hmm. I, you know, some people think that it's the same thing, but I'll get into why I don't think so okay. in a minute. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that but that got me on on the road to automaton versus robot. You know, because uh, to me, they're you know the the word the, the actual word robot uh, is a it goes back to Slavic roots meaning worker, oh, and to wow. me, I. I to me, I'm kind of like, you know, that doesn't sound, you know, I mean, when I think of that, I think of like car assembly or I think of something that repetitively makes the one right. thing all day, long, you know, and I'm like, that's not really, uh, you know, when I when I think of a Walt Disney robot, that's the total opposite of, of that. Right. It's and so he he naturally coined a word for what he was doing in audio animatronics, which is a good word. And everyone still uses it now. Mm-hmm. But um, that company coined, I guess, coined that that uh term but uh now it kind of even now that's diluted because it kind of means like halloween decorations right. now or they, they call but to my mind those 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 uh early figures were you know way beyond anything like a, an individual could do right, right? Where, whereas the automaton was not because you that's could cut true. the can that's true you can yeah. make the levers you know? uh, but i'll tell you when I first moved to California, um, I, I built a, I was working on, a, on, on an air powered puppet, a, a pneumatic puppet. Cause I was into the Disney stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'll make a little, and I went to talk to a company that makes the control systems and he takes me through a tour. <laughs> he goes, well, you're doing all the hard stuff that making the puppets. And all, that's all the hard stuff. This is the easy stuff, you know? <laughs> and, and I go, well, easy for you. Cause you're, you know, you're an engineer and electronics and stuff. And he's like, well, we just, you know, this stuff is pretty much, you know, he made it sound a lot easier than it actually is. But, uh, and at the end of the, the tour, he goes, well, I go, what, what would it, 
entry level cost. And he was like, it's about 12,000 to get into that. And I, you know, that was about, uh, uh, I probably had $800 to my name at the time. (laughs) Right. So I I walked out and walked out of there kind of with my head between my knees (laughs) once again and, uh, and, and started going, well, what if I start doing this stuff with cams and levers, you know, and, uh, that way I can just I buy the raw materials and then you can you can make something move. And there's a certain poetry to that stuff that I think Definitely. gets lost when you when you start adding, you know, computers can do fantastic things, but they're constant maintenance and they're constant cost. And like uh, even, you know, if you're sculpting on a computer or if you're drawing on a computer, you still got to buy five thousand, you know, five thousand dollars worth of stuff before you right. can play. And that to me is like, uh, uh, you know. Uh, if you're if you're an artist, you should be able to like be stuck in the middle of nowhere and create. Right. You know? Right. It, it, I mean, all that. Don't get me wrong. I I think those tools are wonderful. But for me, it's kind of like, well, that's uh, it's I I have more much more fun with my hands on something. But that's a personal thing. It's, yeah. Yeah. If I was an if I was an industrial uh, uh, artist, I would definitely be into that stuff right now. I'd, right. I'd I'd try to learn as much of it as I possibly could. You know. Yeah. But at my age, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be competing with 19-year-old whiz kids on <laughs> computer sculpting. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do, do you remember? Uh, do you remember the flapjack? Mo- oh God! Model yeah. that because that is just thinking <laughs> thinking back about about uh, uh, you know mechanical hands and all that. That was one of that was the coolest fucking model. I mean, it I was, was all, so cool. I was I was, was into so the. Cool aurora monster models and i was into weird like hot rod cars and and the the flapjack was like so amazing i i uh i have one somewhere like i in my basement i think because they reissued them um, yeah yeah you know years ago but man that thing was so cool i I mean that was it was so well designed it was amazing I, even to this day, I'm still so, some parts of that puzzle me a little bit, you know, because if, if I remember, you had to spin the prop right by hand, and then it, once it started going, then the machine guns were coming in. And yeah, out. yeah, and the and the wings and, kind of flapped. and the wings and it, the wings were flapping, and it's bouncing on it like they gave you like a spring or like was it a spring mount on there? Yeah, or was it was it a like solid? A, it was like a wire that so so it yeah. would like kind of you know yeah bounce around yeah for for and people who don't you know, know for people who don't know it was like a crazy. Very seventies looking military goofy cartoon yeah, military a, airplane a, or something. It was like a cartoonified World War II airplane is right. the best way I would describe okay, it. But okay. mixed with but mixed with a jet in weird ways yeah, too. Like yeah. the, it had the swept wings. It was weird. <laughs> it was so cool. Though. Very strange. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But I, yeah, that's funny you brought that up. I haven't thought of that one. I hadn't either. It's just, <laughs> I yeah. just thought of you know, the other thing I thought about now that we're talking about it. Are at the? Do you remember the? I'm sure. You, I'm sure you know the Pirates of the Caribbean models. Oh, those were I another. <laughs> those were another <laughs> one of those things. Show. Things that uh, um, were so mind-blowingly cool to me. I, I just thought they were so amazing. And they also there was also the um, the you would get these. I don't know who made them, but you'd get them in the back of Famous Monsters, and there would be like a coffin. And you turn a key, you close the lid, and yes. you open it, and then it's like a, a, a skeleton. Those were, yeah, yeah, they were. Those were the uh, strange change. They were. I think. Right, uh, I right. think was it? I think MPC made them. Or yeah. there was a there was a mummy, right. a mummy, a vampire, and uh, actually uh, Danny and I are going to build together. We're going to build 
but we have a free moment. We're going to build the time machine. They yeah, remember the they had time, a time machine, machine was the other one. <laughs> yeah. 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 So amazing. Um, so amazing. Yeah, those, and, and no one's doing stuff like that. I know. You know? And, I know. So you are. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm trying I'm trying to whatever slip a little bit of that kind of thinking into it. But it, uh, it, yeah. It, to me, it was like one of the things I really enjoyed about that was the illusion too. like, uh, cause I was like, I, I went through a period where I was into magic when I was a kid, like, you know, oh, yeah. like, uh, stage magic where I, I was into the whole illusion thing. And so, oh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, just like, it's all nerdy shit. It's like <laughs> horror movies, makeup effects, magic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but that's all the so much so many of us were into that sort of thing when we were kids, you know. Yeah. Remember, Yo, the ladies are going to be real impressed yeah. if you're magic. <laughs> Remember the Marshall Brodeen TV magic cards? Remember Marshall Brodeen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking cheesy ass musician, ma- magician guy. Oh my god! I mean, they had commercial, oh they had TV commercials for these magic cards. Like they were a right. big di- big deal back then. I, 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 uh, anyway, it's just it's so funny. I'm just thinking about all this stuff now, but yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was so, so into that and painting the models and painting the auroras and the, and, uh, you know, the, uh, pirates of the Caribbean ones were so, I mean, it's, I could see why they don't make them because I don't even, it seems kind of impossible that they were able to produce those and they actually well, you know, worked, they, you know, actually they've, they've reissued those pirates. You'll be happy to know you can get the pirates oh, really? again. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and the Haunted Mansion ones are in the middle of oh, re- yeah, re-release. Haunted, see the Haunted Mansion ones. Oh, I get, I get yeah. such a good feeling when I think about those Haunted Mansion models, like looking at the box. You remember when you were a kid yeah. and you first oh, got it man. and you looked at it? It felt like you just got the feeling like, oh, this is amazing. It's yeah. <laughs> so cool. Oh, those are oh. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was very happy to hear that they released those because I, I still have original ones oh, really? that I haven't yeah, and I haven't built them, but I'm just like, uh, and I built them when I was a kid, and then I had to buy them again right. because of they got smashed or lost, and I had pieces of them. But um, yeah, those kits were uh, again one of those formative things, those yep. moving kits of any kind. Yeah, uh, that I think is something that's you know I, I actually tried years ago. I was trying to get um, one of the companies that was doing the reissuing of those things. We were talking about working together, and I was like. You know, it'd be really cool to do some, one of those moving, you know, something that moved. And yeah, it never happened. But I, I, I definitely put the idea forth, you know. Right. So it would but, be so uh, maybe cool. some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it seems like, I don't know, people would love that shit if you did it oh. nowadays. You know, another thing I'm thinking of now, I'm thinking of all these. You've got me thinking of all these mechanical things I used to love when I was a kid. There's a uh, when I was. There's a story in the the documentary uh, this guy made about me. It's included in the documentary because because I still have this artifact from that. Um, my mother was into like new age stuff, kind of, and she uh, she taught me how to do creative visualization, basically magic, but that's how they called it in new age circles. And sure. um, and so she was like, you know, she taught me how to do it when I was like nine years old. And she said, yeah, we were really, oh, wow. yeah, my dad and my stepdad was an artist. So we were like, always kind of like we had money or we had no money. So it was like up and down, you know how it is. And, um, so she's like, we need to, we need some money. So can you visualize selling one of Jimmy's paintings? And I was like, okay. And so I did it, which is, it's basically magic, 
you know, like stuff, right. ceremonial magic, basically just a different way. And so I did it, uh, uh, kind of meditated, did the visualization and he sold this big painting within like a week or something. And, it, and it's, and so, Beautiful. yeah, it was, it was super cool. My mom told me meditate on him selling a painting. And if he sells it, I'll take you to the mall and you can get whatever you, whatever you want to buy. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I did it. He sold the painting. She took me to the mall and I went to this weird little, art gallery in the mall of this dude that makes um wire sculptures oh and okay. and a lot of them were mechanical and they electric had electric engines and so i got this big blimp and i still have it and it still works it's from like 1970 it's got it's dated i think it's like 76 or something but it's like a big wow. wire sculpture blimp with these little LED lights on it and these little characters he called fleas, which were kind of like little round, little uh-huh. round guys. And so it's these it's these two guys like turning a crank and uh, which is a, causes like these other guys sitting on a seesaw like they're drinking they got like cool. bottles and then it turns the uh, propeller and it's just this big, cool mechanical sculpture. I have to send you I'll send you a, a video of it. And oh, it, I'd like to see that. It's yeah. so cool, but I just, you know, I, I've always, I've always been uh, really drawn to to that sort of, I guess, kinetic type of yeah. artwork. You know, did you ever see a, a, a Dreams Money Can Buy? It was a surrealist film. I don't think uh, so. But anyway, there's a whole f- mechanical flea circus in that in that movie. But oh, it had, really? a lot of different surrealists were involved in that, in that movie, but it, it used to be hard to find. You can find it pretty easily now dreams. I think it's called dreams money can buy. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, there's this whole miniature little mechanical wire. Sir. A lot of it was wire stuff. It made me think of what oh, you were cool. talking about. Yeah. Cause there was a, out. yeah, there were a few, why is his name slipping my mind? Very famous artists that did mobiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had stuff at LACMA not while, not, not that long ago, but yeah. um, he, he he's the one that did the circus that I'm talking about. Oh wow! So he yeah he he was sort of famous for his his mobiles and I know Rolly Crump mentioned him. Uh, he liked his work and and uh, so he was very influential in the 60s and 70s. Wow. I think with that kind of stuff. So that's so cool. But um yeah, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, I hope I I'm hoping I do the right name, but I think so. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll well uh, I'm sure it's I'll figure it out. Um. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, how did you, you, how did you end up in, uh, in LA again? Was it f- from your dad moving or was it from well, soccer no, that, or actually, no, that my dad was, was only here in the eighties and then uh, I moved here in 90. So he was already back in Arizona by then with my mom. Okay. But you were doing uh, garage kits by then out of Arizona. Yeah. I was, the first, yes, I did. I did a few in Arizona, but they were, you know, they were like, uh, if I remember right, it was like a Freddy snake from, you know, uh, Nightmare on, on Elm Street. And then I did like a, a Freddy nurse from Nightmare on Elm Street okay. from a photo that, from a photo I saw in Fangoria that just cracked me up because it was like a, like a, it was like a model body with like Freddy's head on it. And I uh, thought it was really fun. And then, um, uh, aliens, I was big into alien stuff. Yeah. And so uh, I was doing that stuff in Arizona. And what happened was I walked into a comic book store and I was looking for a Kenner alien. You know, remember that toy? Yeah, I remember that toy. Very, <laughs> very hard. You know, they, they came out and it was an R-rated movie. They flopped and no one bought them. And then, uh, then they became 
super collectible. They're expensive, I though, I remember, because I couldn't get oh, one, yeah. but my friend got one. I remember playing with his. Oh, yeah. They, they got real expensive, but I uh, by the time I found out about them, they, they were nowhere to be found. And I went into a comic book store, and a guy, the guy says, uh, he goes, yeah, I, I know. I think I know a guy that's got one, but you'd have to talk to him. And so I, I met up with this guy, and he, you know, it was like a real shady meeting, you know, we're like in a, <laughs> like a drug meeting, deal. Like some, yeah, it was really shady. We, we, he's like, yeah, let's meet this, you know, whatever place. And and so he brings this bag, and he pulls this thing out, and it's perfect. It's, it's sealed, right? A Kenner alien. Uh-huh. And, you know, I'm drooling. I'm just like, well, how, how much do you want for it? He's like, uh, it's $95. And back then, you know, in, in 80s money, that was a lot of money. Right, and right. I'm I'm like I I go I have to pass I don't have that kind of money, and then he's and he, and he had a backup plan so he pulls out a he pulls out one of the promotional alien shirts right from the movie, you know the, you remember the t-shirts with uh-huh. the poppy the the, the yeah chest right press. right yes I remember those and, and I looked at it and I start, and I couldn't help it but I started laughing because at the time I was doing airbrush art right mm-hmm. and so the blood just looked really cheesy and I'm like oh that's I go I could do I could do that you know. <laughs> And he, and he's like, you know, and you could see like the dollar signs in his eyes. Like, you could really. And I'm like, yeah, I can, I can make one of those. And I was really naive at the time. I, I didn't know who this guy was or what he, what he did or anything, but uh, I won't say his name, but he, anyway, so I made him, I made him one of those things and we traded, we started, you know, putting money toward taking money of that to put toward the Kenner alien. And, um, I just kept making them right. And, and he would take off to LA and he would sell them. And then same thing with like the Freddy snakes, you know, he took off to LA and he sold them. And it wasn't until, it wasn't until I moved to LA that I found out what this guy was doing. Right. So he was really super shady. And, uh, what was he, you know, he was, well, first of all, first of all, he was telling me he was selling them at a certain price, which was a complete lie. He he was selling them for like, for like three times as much. (laughs) And then, and then he, he borrowed, I I had sculpted a, a, a queen alien and he, he's like, Oh, you know, can I borrow this and show it to some friends in LA? Uh, so what he did is he went and he was taking deposits from people on my thing. And he never told me any of this. Right. Oh, so when I moved yeah. to LA, one of the first guys that, that, um, uh, found me was Frank Darabont. Right. Cause he, oh, wow. he used to, he used to go to Kidcraft and he would, he was buying kits back then from Kidcraft, having people paint him for his friends like Stephen King, you know, so he was buying the brat beater that I made. And then uh, Tom Gilliland, I think, was was painting the T-shirts, you know, like a Ramon shirt on it or whatever. And then oh, he'd right. give that. <laughs> and so, so Kidcraft was like, "Oh, we need more of those brat beater," you know. So that was like one of the first places I sold stuff was was there. And um and and then one day they they're like, "Oh, that, what about that queen? What about that queen?" And I go, "Well, I have to mold it. It's expensive, you know." And they're like, "Well, we'll buy it. We'll buy it. We'll buy it," you know. And and so I I, I molded it. Um and at the time I had a friend of mine that moved out from Arizona. We were going to work together. And so he laid in all the clay and molded it, and and, uh, and uh, we we molded it together on the rubber part of it. But um, when I took the thing, I made the castings and I took them in. The kid craft was like, no, 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 that's, that's too much money, too much. And I'm walking out of the store, and this guy is walking in as I'm walking out. It was Frank, and oh, I didn't wow. know him. I, I had I'd never met him. I didn't know him from uh-huh. anybody. And he's like, I've been looking for that for two years or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know? and it was a very awkward moment. But then later we connected. He got one of those things from, you know, one of the queens from me. And uh, and he's like, you know, I wrote that Freddy snake, you know. So he was he was one of the guys that was buying, you know, oh, no when he way. was buying wow. from the, this, the other from the guy. guy. <laughs> and it turns out that, 
the shady guy had like like taken a deposit uh on that queen you know so it was just like oh my god oh, man. wow that, that was number one but anyway it was it was uh, uh frank was very good and you know in the early days he really was uh, uh very very good to me you know he, he was constantly helping me out with i mean by buying stuff basically you know oh, wow. keeping me alive so yeah, he seemed like a really nice. he seemed like uh he he did um like the first big studio movie i worked on was the blob remake and he, oh yeah he wrote that and he so yes. he came into the um he would come into the shop and he was like he was like an effects nerd like us yeah you know he was super yeah. super cool just like he knew all like the crappy movies that we knew it's like he knew all that trivia stuff you know he was he seemed like yeah, one, of, one it, of the guys oh very much so and uh, but at the same time like i think there was a part of him that's very much a like an old hollywood guy like old classic hollywood movie maker guy uh -huh. right you know I, I mean the best example to me is shawshank redemption because yeah. that is really i mean that could go that could fit right in with like you know classic oh, black yeah. and white it's, uh hollywood yeah it's one of the best yeah one of the greatest movies ever made i think it's so good no it's wonderful yeah but uh yeah i mean and i uh i think i you know there's so many um gosh he, he was involved in so many things and i sometimes i'm embarrassed because i don't even know a lot right. of even my friends friends that work in in in, in the business i don't even I'm, i don't even know all the things they've worked on you know because <laughs> right. you do so much i yeah, mean i yeah. I bet you probably don't even remember all the movies you worked on. No, not even. If so, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I, people will, you know, this one guy hit me up, you know, a couple of years ago to, to do a podcast about some super obscure, crappiest, worst, stupidest movie, some movie <laughs> I worked on and I didn't, I hadn't remembered it. Um, the whole time my whole life after after i worked on it in like i don't know probably 1990 or something i hadn't thought about that movie like i completely was out of my consciousness until this guy hit me up and <laughs> asked me to be interviewed about it on a podcast oh. <laughs> it's like that happens all the time though it's just like you know especially when you're when you're at a shop it's just you know you're at the factory yeah. you know you clock yeah. out at five it's like you know which is one of the bummer things that that uh came out of working in effects is it became kind of routine and it's like, yeah, you know, it's not like well, I have my one effect and I'm doing it and I'm getting to art directed. It's more like you're just a cog in a wheel and there's like five yeah. shows going on at the same time. You're just like, do this for that, do this for this show. And it's just a blur, you know? Yeah, no, I can't, I, I, I can't imagine what it would be like to work year in and year out doing that. I, I did it. There were, I, there were very few stints that I did. I, the, the Kyoto brothers, on Frank Darabont's recommendation, hired me to do. I, I don't remember what I was doing, like some dinosaur stuff and some. They might have been for video game. I don't know what they mm. were for even. Uh, and one of them was sort of like a, an Ed Roth looking character again. I don't even know what what they were used right, for. Right. But, but that was like the only time that I kind of was in a shop where I, you know, I kind of went there every day for whatever a week or so. And then uh, above and beyond that, mostly it was you know. It was like people that would find me, like uh, uh, Bill Malone is one of those guys who he's like, you know, he used to come up to my table all the time. And he's like, I really like what you're doing. You know, if I ever do a movie, I want you involved in some, some way, you know. That's cool. And and he would be, yeah, and he would he was just super enthusiastic. He loved Conrad Fight. You know, he's one of the few people that would come up and talk to me about that actor. Because back then, I mean, now the Internet has let right. him out of out of the cave. Yeah. 
but back then there weren't a whole lot of Conrad fight fans. In right. fact, I had, I joined like a, uh, it was called the Conrad fight, um, uh, Conrad fight society. Wow. And it was, it, it this is in the 80, late eighties, early. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a group of people and they would dig up stuff and they put out like newsletters and stuff. And I, I still have all that, all that tucked away, but, um, there were only one, there was one book that I knew of by Jerry Allen on Conrad fight. And that's the one I got that when I had already finished Cesare, you know, which was the very first kit that I did that was official. I did all these other like eighties movies things before yeah. that, but they were, not, you know, the, the first official atomic kit was, was the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Wow. And then yeah. I, I kind of went from there and thanks to Terry Webb and, uh, you know, uh, some of the model magazines that were around at that time, you know, Terry, Terry, like did a little blurb on them. And then little by little, it, it was total punk rock fanzine kind of thing, right? You'd, you'd give them a, I'd, I'd put out these Xerox catalogs in with the kits and that's the way I would try to sell them. Wow. So, you know, they did <laughs> so all that. Cool. That was all happening. And that was in Van Nuys when I lived there. I was wow. doing that all out of the, yeah. Wait, were you I ever... still do it. Oh, no, I kind of still feel that way. Really? Like, things are <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah, honestly. That's great, though. I mean, it's what? it's like you, you've, uh, you know, I feel like the time, as much as I, I, I do treasure the time I was in effects now that I'm out and I have some distance, it's like I look back, those are amazing times. The money was good. You're making monsters. You can't complain too much. Right, yeah. You know, it, yeah. overall, it was amazing. I was I kind of was like getting art training. I was working with the best sculptors in the world you know right and, uh, sure so it was great but at the same time i feel like uh it was like it was like my corporate gig you know what i mean yeah. like now now that oh, i'm oh. an independent artist it's like that was very much like having a corporate it's as far as corporate jobs go it doesn't get much better than that making monsters right. and getting paid decent but still Absolutely. it was like a kind of a corporate corporate thing in a way and so well um, that's what you know, you yeah, never yeah. barely did that, which is cool. Well, I, honestly, I, I I did do I did do some of that, especially um, you know, like w when I first moved out here, I was doing a, a toy stuff, so that oh, was really? my and yeah, and and when I first got into this shop, actually, that was like the deal that I made with myself is I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do three days of the toy stuff, get it done, get it, you know, deadline was always like at the end of the week. I'd have it done by Wednesday, then I could do what I wanted to do, you know, <laughs> but I, and that's what kind of like, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of thought that as an ideal situation because we were doing like wrestlers, you know, and right. I was working with a guy, a guy that was great, you know, and his name was Terry Latimer and Terry, he hired me on. He's like, I can't handle all the work they're, they're throwing at me. You know, could you help me do the bodies and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And we had a great time. I mean, yeah. he, he's a super chill guy and he, you know, loved the same, like all kinds of, weird music and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so to us, it was like, we were working hard, like really hard, like, you know, mega hours, but we didn't feel like we were working because we were having so much fun. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And even though it was corporate work and it wasn't my subject matter, I tried to learn, you know, like you can find something interesting in almost, you know, any subject, right? Yeah, like if, if sure. it, the faces are interesting, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, especially it, if you're it, trying it, to do it like as good as you can, that's what always yeah. kept my interest is trying to make it, better than the last thing you did you know yeah absolutely so that that was kind of how i funded the, when i got my first tools were because of that that was like the only time i ever made decent money oh, wow. know, my when, when was this what year are we talking this, oh this was like uh like 99 
through 2001. Oh, wow. It was a very okay. short, it was, I mean, I, I did some other stuff for like General Giant and for other companies after okay. that, but not all, not a ton, you know, right. it was, and Bowen designs, of course, I did a lot right. of stuff for Bowen, but, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's a trade-off and I think all artists, um, I, I think if you, if you're going into doing this stuff full time, you have to, you have to realize that there is a trade-off, you know, you, you, obviously we would all love to do exactly what we want all day long and get paid a fortune for it. But that's right. a lot of times you can't, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you would say, uh, mercenary or corporate work right. to happen, you know? Yep. And I don't mean that. And I don't mean that necessarily in a derogatory way. Like I said, I learned a lot while yeah. doing all that, that, uh, the toy work and stuff, you know, absolutely. I, especially I learned a lot of technical things about mold making as well because uh, some of the places that i worked for you know they, they were doing like resin production in-house and i saw their setups so it gave me insights on how right. to do that you know better than i was doing it you know yeah that, I, I tried to i i i uh, i think i was i think it was on the last i don't know a recent podcast i was telling someone i like to refer to it as like if i'm able to um use my experience in the makeup effects and put it towards my fine art and make my fine art better because of all the stuff I learned. It's like, it's taking, you know, uh, turning something evil into something good. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. as long as I could, I can, I can justify all the time spent. Cause it, you know, it was kind of like 15 or 20 years in effects. I can kind of justify it like as it, it, it contributing to what I'm doing now, which is the important oh, absolutely. work, you know what I mean? the personal Absolutely. stuff so yeah it's, it's not lost it's it's you know all those experiences are, are definitely not lost time right, you know right um you're 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 gaining some kind of a skill or some you know learning something yeah and I, I i can understand how people can get cynical you know if you if you had an idea of like you know it probably it might well have happened to me if i if i'd have gone into to to special effects you know because i i came at like the worst time mm -hmm. it was right that was transitioning right. but it, but i think i was also um maybe insecure enough in myself i was i was I, insecure enough to where like i'm not even gonna go there you know what i mean like i better just do my thing i'm, I'm not really? even gonna try yeah because i i didn't feel i i felt like like the first wave of of uh action that i saw was was protective like a lot of the artists got real protective you know uh -huh. like because they knew knew it was going to be shrinking right so they you know, everybody was kind of like, you know, biting it at each other a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, and I don't work, like, I, I, I can't, I, I don't create well in that kind yeah. of environment you know, where you have to do battle with someone and in addition to doing what you do, like, right, just right. never, never been a political animal. Like, yeah. I'm not good at that. Yeah. Fuck that so, shit. So I, I, I kind of chickened out and I, I just decided, well, I'll do these, you know, and the, and a lot of the effects guys were, you know, they sort of put us garage kid guys down, you know, they're like, you know, oh, but, well, you know. Yeah, but that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to say, though. It surprised me that you said you felt insecure about it because um, your, you, your reputation in the makeup effects industry was always like, you were like this badass high up guy, like every, you were really well respected in the industry um by by all these great artists like you were held up as oh. like this that guy does amazing shit you know he's like really so it's funny that you were kind of revered in in effects in the effects community and it's just funny. i didn't i didn't i didn't feel that but i mean, <laughs> I mean no it's nice to hear but yeah, i didn't yeah. know that yeah know? yeah I, I, my yeah every time you were mentioned it was like you were you were this you know up on high guy you know 
Mm. Well, well, that's <laughs> yes, <laughs> surprising and nice, but I didn't know. So. I know you. You never know. I mean, you never I, know. Yeah, I, I just remember there were like there were there was one time, and I can't remember even the shop, but there was some shop that was at at Fangoria, and I was like, you know, wide eyed kid from Arizona, you know, and I walked mm-hmm. up to one of the tables, and there was a a silicone latex demon of some sort with wings. You know, and it just looked badass. I'm just uh-huh. going, oh, my God, you know. And it was on the table. There were no signs or anything, you know, and they had a bunch of other stuff for sale. And so I picked it up, and and the guy, boy, he just, like, he chewed into me, and he's just like, you know, he's like, that is a, that's a, that's an effects prop, you know. And, the, like, he just, like, <laughs> oh, my God. He, he, you know, and I remember just going, I just was looking at, you know, was just, it was just a cool demon. I watched, you know, like, <laughs> So, yeah, I, but, I think but again, you know, probably, but if, again, if you got attitude, once I got, pro- behind, <laughs> once I got behind a table for myself and then you're dealing with a lot of stuff that you got to deal with at those tables, right. then it fully becomes, a, you know, right, right, right. But, uh, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, uh, if you got attitude from effects people at any point, it was probably because you, 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 uh, you were, uh, recognized as being talented and a threat you know what i mean because people get territorial especially like you're saying at that time period i mean you're kind of making this point but um a lot of times they'll they'll you know people will will treat you like well like you're nothing but it's because they're scared of you you know well i gotta i gotta say from the get-go um you know when i bumped into rick baker at that one at the gremlins thing he was super nice Mm. always and yeah in fact he was one of the only guys when I, the very first time I took an automaton to a mad model party, I took a little sorcerer and he came up to the table and he's like, that is really cool. If you ever do another one, let me know. You know what I mean? Like he's a, one of the only guys in the entire room that said that like encouraged that, wow. you know? Wow. And then, and also, uh, uh, John Landis was another one. He came up and he was like, that's really, you know, that's really something, <laughs> you know, but, uh, so there were there were major exceptions to that rule. Right. There were some, you know, a lot were, you know, real super super nice and would come up and talk and stuff, you know. But, um, but yeah, it's it it, it evolved in a weird way. It's like, looking back on it, it's kind of strange how it all happened. But yeah, well, um, so you, uh, at what point did you just do like your first automaton? Like you were doing these garage kits, you were doing toys. Did you just kind of like? Did you have a plan like, okay, I'm going to do automatons now and, and plot it out? Or did you just kind of do one to try it out as, as a fun thing and then it took off? Or how did that, how did that work? So what happened was um, I was doing the toy work, which was, was fun. But then uh, it was, again, a similar thing to toys with movies. It was, that's when all the digital stuff was starting to happen. Oh, okay, yeah. so, so the toy company I was working with was like, oh, yeah, we don't sculpt heads anymore. We scan them. Right. And I'm like, okay. And and so they're handing me bodies. So I'm doing like bodies with with heads that are somewhere else. And it was just so <laughs> weird. It felt really wrong. Yeah. You know, and I was grateful that I was grateful to have the work, but I'm going, this is not fun, you know. And and I remember it was right around that time I, I did the death and resurrection, which was a uh uh it was like a decapitation automaton that I, I actually made it for a video very quickly, kind of crudely. And I, the, I made it for head, a video. The one where you, the head pour, pouring the the blood. No, it's net? not that oh, one. Okay. But... <laughs> I love that one. Nah, it was. A, I, I have a lot of decapitations. I confess. <laughs> so that's. But 
Uh, no, th this one was a the head gets covered with a mask, and then when the head when the mask goes away, the head is gone, and oh, then yeah, the head yeah, appears. Yeah, that one's amazing. And it, it, so it was that piece, and um, and it was it's based on an old uh, Falabois uh, automaton from the 1800s, but but in, in the original one, it was a clown, and it was kind of humorous, right? And I thought if you twist that a little bit, it could be pretty dark, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> And so I, I did it just for that video, and then I, I had it in the spirit room here at the shop, and people would come by, and I'd, I'd run it for them. And every time, people were just like, I love, you know, I just love that thing. And, and so finally, uh, getting sick of the toys, I, I got on eBay, right? And I put, I, I'm like, I'll just put a big price on this thing, you know? And I put a, 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 I put a price that I thought was equivalent to a, a genuine antique automaton, uh -huh. you know? And it sat there for the whole duration, you know, no, no bids, no messages, no nothing. And then literally like the last 10 minutes, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, it didn't sell. At least it was, it let people know that I'm interested in this kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And last second, all of a sudden click, someone clicked on it. Oh, wow. And I just, <laughs> I did a double tick. I couldn't, cause to me, that was a, such a lot of money at the time, right. you know, and, and, uh, and and then I'm like I got paranoid and I'm like oh they're probably not going to pay you know like you know what I mean like being <laughs> Mr. Security it. yeah yeah being Mr. super secure here uh, and and but the lady that bought it was a, from a, a family that had a whole art foundation and so she was deep in the arts and wow. uh, anyway so she bought that and so I took the money and I started working on another one right and then she bought that one and and it and then all of a sudden other people started coming out of the woodwork and there was a guy who. Uh, um, I did this one that was based on a, like a dance macabre theme and he bought that one and he says, uh, he goes, I'm going to put that in my dungeon, you know? And I'm thinking, you know, like a metalhead guy with like cardboard dungeon, Ed Wood style. Oh. <laughs> 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 Naive. <laughs> no, this guy, this guy, he sends me pictures and it's like a real fucking like honest to God dungeon. I mean, it, like with the rock work and everything and wow. I'm just going, what? And, <laughs> Anyway, so it, it's been kind of interesting because a lot of the, the people that have found me have been real characters, you right. know, yeah, yeah, and uh, very unusual people. And I mean, the, this same guy that 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 found that piece, you know, I, I learned later on that he had a whole place that was all every room was a different theme. And then he had an observatory built into like a real observatory built into his house. And wow. he ended up going into space with the Russians. And it's it's crazy. Wow. The, the, some of the stories that came but uh Amazing. and yeah that and that's that's how that started and so it became a full-time uh job even though you know um I, I i'm always trying to do stuff in the background and more so now because i'm realizing you know when you build automatons it's like gigging you know you do the gig and then you're back at zero you know you get you get your pay but then you're right. you got to go and get out on the road you know right and uh and so I'm trying to work on some stuff that, uh, you know, that allows allows me to do a little bit of both instead of just all of one. But for about 15 years, I'm mostly doing only that, you know. Right. And the, there were like five, six people that were supporting me during that time. Wow. And yeah. And but they, they were, you know, they, they, the projects were big enough to where it, it worked and it never made, a, you know, I've, I've never been never had a lot of money in my life. So it's. Wow. um it's it's ne that, but that's never been that's not why I make this right. stuff in the first place, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. I wish I could think that way but I never I've never been really good at going oh yeah well I've got this master plan of, right you know, that's how that happened it was quite I guess accidental in a way I mean I, there was some intent because I did put it up on eBay you know so that I guess that was the magical intent if you want to put it in, right. in that 
in, in, in those, in that context, but. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 uh, interesting. And I, do, <laughs> I do believe, and I, and I, you know, I do, I do think that that stuff is operational. Like it, a lot of, uh, 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 you know, if you can visualize stuff, what your mom was teaching you, you know, oh, that, yeah. that stuff does actually, in my opinion, I think it works. You know, uh, yeah, you, I, the- I talk about it a lot on the podcast. Um, I mean, she taught me and I used it throughout my life. Like back when I was 14 years old, I needed money for like, <laughs> plaster or latex or whatever and i would visualize it and the money would come out of like crazy weird i always did it for money because we never had any money so it was always like trying to get money but um uh uh yeah so it's like i'd done it my entire life and then i finally you know you know the other i was talking about this on another podcast i was thinking it was two years ago but it was actually like four years ago i started like learning ceremonial magic and chaos magic and like t- just because i was like okay i've been i realized i've been doing this my whole life but it was like sort of a um kind of you know more from this new agey perspective so i was like i'm gonna right. try and learn it you know like go to school for it basically and see see if i can like learn more about it and uh, i and i sort of you know it, i sort of it, it got me basically into a um uh, it, it ended up being the thing that I got uh, out of it the most was like a, a kind of a regular spiritual practice with a me- meditation, uh, you know, yep. rut- routine meditation, tarot pull and LBRP kind of, you know, uh, little ritual thing. And, and it's like, if I, if I need a little extra help, I'll do some, like a sigil, you know, like sigil magic or something. And it's like, every time I've done it, it works. So it's like, I don't even, it's not even a a matter of like, Oh, maybe it works or maybe it works. Sometimes it's like, no, it fucking works every single time. Every time I've never had, you know, one, it it never has not worked for me. So it's kind of like, it gives you like this kind of a sense of security. Like, well, no matter what happens, I know if I, if I have to, I'll be able to pull out the big guns, (laughs) you know, you know, if I end up going broke or, you know, I can't pay my house payment. I always have this thing in my back pocket. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm way into it. You know, I'm I'm totally into it. You know, it's funny because there there was a time, there was a point in time where I was, uh, I I was around a lot of people that were doing ceremony, ceremonial magic. Yeah, I was going to, one one guy in that. One guy in particular was uh, he was a, a former Golden Dawn uh, hmm. a, a member, and he, he was a real. He passed away unfortunately, but he was a really nice guy and, and really interesting character. And um, I remember one of the first automatons I did was for the spirit room, you know. And I was hmm. gonna, I was gonna, I I was gonna use some like genuine stuff, and he's like, I I, I don't recommend doing right. that. You know? <laughs> and I and, and I listened to him, you know. Right. I listened yeah. To him. Yeah. Um, but then one one day by the fire, you know, um, we were talking, and I said, uh, I said, uh, I go, you know, a lot of these, I go, a lot of these uh, these magicians from the past, you know, they, they, a lot of them were using tricks too, you know, like they they were mixing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, they, they were, you know, sort of. Uh, I'm not talking about like spiritualists necessarily, right, not right, like right, right. I'm talking more like Albertus Magnus. Or some of these legendary al- alchemical figures, right. or, or magicians, 
And a lot of them had were, were using uh, what would now be called, you know, conjuring tricks mm-hmm. uh, in some of the things that they did. And I asked him about that. And I said, what do you think about that? You know, and he's like, you know, he, he's, he, uh, he said, well, you know, if it gets someone to the place where they need to go, then I think it's right. It's perfectly legit. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I thought, I go, you know, that was a real honest answer because a lot of these guys, you know, like the, it would be almost like a joke. You'd be sitting by the campfire and, and like, you know, something would pop and they would they would take the credit for right. making it pop. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Like this kind of stuff. And I'm like, come on. You know? right. <laughs> and uh, a, a great a great movie, which I'm sure you know this movie, but uh, um, uh, Nightmare Alley gets into the into those into that right, kind of netherworld. Right. right. Yeah. 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 You know, where, where, you know, the guy that thinks he's, you know, like he's the guy that thinks he's fooling everyone starts to get enmeshed in his own, in his own thing. So, uh, but I thought that that was a really interesting thing for him to say. And it got me uh, on sort of a a track. Uh, And again, like I said, I think intent does bring things to you. You know, my whole life has been that way. Every time, you know, it, it like stuff, it was like it stuff would come in because of what you're doing. But it wouldn't happen unless you were doing it in the first place. Right. You know, right. you have to put the effort out there and you have to do all the other the hard work. It's not like you just put the intent out and it comes to you. It's like exactly. It's, it's yeah. like, if, you know, they, they, they say uh, if the if the universe is, you know, wants to play, wants wants to give you things, wants to interact with you. So it's like it's waiting for you to put some effort out to it with your intent exactly. in order to get it. You know what I mean? Yes. And when like, you know, like shortly, shortly after that experience, I was looking for a book on automatons and I run into this guy and he looks me up and down, you know, and like, you know, he like, he didn't know what to think of me. He's looking at who's this kid. And at the time, well, anyway, he claims I look like friggin', uh, he's like, he's like, I, you look like, uh, uh, like you were out of the matrix or something. Cause <laughs> I had like a long, you know, and so, and he was sort of like Kenny Rogers looking guy, right? Uh-huh. So he was looking me up and down. He's like, you know, why are you interested in this book? I go, I've been looking for this book forever. It was a book on automatons. And uh, he goes, yeah, I have the book. And I said, well, can can I buy it? And he's like, yeah, I think I have. I might have a spare English copy of that. You know, and so we made an agreement. Um, I'm going to buy the book. He's going to come by and bring it. And I said, you should come by my workshop. So he comes by and he has the book in hand and he he. he He's uh, he's at the doorway and he says, uh, I got some bad news. I only have one English copy and I'm keeping it. And I said, ah, all right, well, come in anyway. Right. right. So he comes and uh, and he looks around and I had the I had the sorcerer on the table, the one that I took to the Mad Mall party. All, and and I had a, a few other pieces in the room that I was showing him. And he was like a little kid all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just like and he got a big smile on his face and he's like, it's bizarre magic. And I go, what do you mean? And he goes. He goes, this, he goes, this is bizarre magic. And I go, I still don't know what you mean. He goes, there's a bunch of magicians that, you know, like in the sixties, there were these guys that were, they were doing magic at clubs and, you know, corporate meetings, but then they wanted to do stuff that was more like edgy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they, they were doing stuff that was more based on Lovecraft or, uh, you know, they were kind of mixing both of those worlds, like the new age world with, with stage conjuring, you know, and, and, and and evoking more powerful responses from people because of because it's more you know like a lot of magic doesn't make sense you right, know what I mean right, like there's no right. sport, there's no story it's just right. like I'm gonna sauce 
in half. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, I got, and so he's, he's sort of by meeting him, you know, uh, talking to the ceremony magician, then I meet him. So now that's the other world of like the conjuring right. world with, you know, in, in, in the, and he, he's turned me on to every single book that I have on, on magic and on, on, uh, bizarre magic and automaton stuff too. Wow. You know, so, yeah. And I, I lost him this summer to cancer, you oh, know, bummer. um, and, and it and it's yeah, it's one of those things where you, you don't find someone like that ever again. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. But he was one of the only guys I could sit in a in a diner and just talk about the weird everything from like, you know, the, the most weird scientific things to uh, uh, magic all the way on through movies. You know, he was big into film noir and yeah, all that stuff. Cool. Sounds like a awesome yeah. guy. Well, but, you, know, um, you know that that it's funny. You you the 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 conjuring aspect and the the you know there is like even if you you know have you ever been to the Magic Castle? Oh yeah. You know it's like it's it's all that stage magic, but there's still there's like a vibe. There's a vibe <laughs> there that there's oh yeah that it's like it's like a you know there, it seems feels like. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like uh, there's more to it than just that somehow or something in the air or an energy or something. But but my point being is that, you know, the whole purpose of ceremony and magic is is the is the show is the like you, the, you, the theater, the theatric yeah. theatricality of it. It's like you're basically kind of um, it's a way of making your mind accept this stuff and believe it and, cr- and create it. So. And so it it kind of makes sense. I never really thought about it, but it kind of makes sense that there's this there is like this strong relationship between both sides well, of they, that kind you know, of magic, they, you know. They they came out of they they came out of the same uh, source. It's just that at, at a certain point in time, you know, uh, uh understandably so at a certain point in time there there came like a moral divide on, you know, there was a a, a first book ever written on magic uh stage magic was a book called The Discovery of Witchcraft, which was all about how, you know, it, it showed mechanically how they you could chop someone's head off and then oh, bring wow. them back to life. And right. the guy published this book so people wouldn't be burned as witches, right? So and I, I, it, all wow. that stuff, it's, all that stuff still kind of applies today. But in, I mean, if you, if you apply the fact that um, if someone doesn't understand something, we're all belief machines, right? That's, like we do every our whole guide in life is is what we believe. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean it's so. Right. It's what we believe, you know. So um, it it it, uh, it it's interesting to to think back in those days that, that people believed so strongly in those ideas that they were convinced that someone had cut someone's head off, right? You know? <laughs> and and put it back on. And this guy published this book, and he actually, uh, um, you know, he, it was presented to, to 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 say, yeah, these people are not. Uh, you know they're not witches. They're, they're you know they're not full of demons. They're uh, they're they're using they're, at worst they're they're charlatans. You right, know? right. But the bizarre magicians sort of embrace that. But at the same time, they I've noticed that a lot of them you know because they're corporate magicians, they have to say at the front, right? You know we're going to do a seance, we're going to do a seance, but none of this is real, right? right? <laughs> uh, which I don't know. I mean, to me that I get it, but at the same time, I kind of. I like this idea of uh, I'm not sure where the I like the shadows, right? Where you're not quite sure where something begins. And right. Ends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, there was a, a magician named Johann, a magician named Johann Schropfer, 
that came along right when electricity was new and people weren't really aware of it, you know, and, and he had a, a seance and he would conjure up the, the dead. He was using, uh, you know, uh, incense smoke and the, the whole deal. And he had them take their shoes off. He would give them uh, kind of potent uh, uh, elixirs and things, right? So mm -hmm. they were not on their, you know, like they were very susceptible. And he would do these things and conjure up the dead by using images, you know, but very much like a like a spiritualist would have done. Right. Was, but it was very, very clever. And in some books, he's he's in some of my occult books as like a real magician. Oh, you know, really? Like a yeah. And then he's also in some magic books. Right. And the same thing with Albertus Magnus. You know, he had some cups and things that were that were gaffed that had little tricks in them. And I I don't know. I love that area of, of yeah. uh, you know, um, but again, a lot of a lot of people out there, especially, um, you know, people that are magic castle performers, they really look down on occult things. Oh, really? You know. Oh, yeah. A lot of times. Yeah. You know, they, they, you know, they 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 kind of poo poo the whole idea of uh yeah that's just their cover <laughs> they're really <laughs> satan worshiping <laughs> yeah i yeah i get i get i, I mean i know yeah I, we've seen too many of those hammer movies right. we know what you got <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i i i, I uh that's I, uh yeah it's a trip it's a trip it's 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 interesting um I had I was gonna ask you in the context of because I have to ask you about this before before we go is um, were you ever involved I mean not involved but I mean were you in that circle because when you were kind of befriending uh, Vampira you know you were you because oh. there, there was this I know in Hollywood because when I was kind of growing up there. Uh, in my early adult years, like 86, 87, I was driving up from Pedro from where I grew up to hanging out with my friends in Hollywood. And there was like this kind of goth, occult, uh, old Hollywood underground scene happening in, in, Ho in, in Hollywood. And so right. it seemed like, you know, there was, there was all these tangential, related things like these people you know some of these people are into like horror movies and hollywood book and poster and you know vampira and it's like there was this well what it's all what kind of happened connected so i was just wondering if you know if you well, know some a, of that or were you kind of like well, familiar with that scene that, well that's interesting because like the first people that really embraced uh, uh myla vampira were the punks you know, because right. probably because that was the other part of it. Such a... there was, that's the other yeah. part of it. It was like there was a cult, punk, goth. Yeah. It's interesting. So, yeah. You know, the, the the dam did Plan Nine, Channel Seven, and and the Misfits did a Vampire song, mm -hmm. uh, and they actually, you know, she told me that one day, you know, she kept seeing this head popping up in her window. <laughs> it was one of the Misfits. <laughs> like, you know, does Vampire really live in this place? You know, because uh, she was. Pretty, I mean, if you knew, like. It wasn't like a super big secret, you know, where, where she was. She she was uh, when I met her, she was living in a converted garage uh, off of Hudson um, and Willoughby. Oh, no way. And really? uh, wow. yeah, right near there. She actually lived behind um, the, the, the gal that lived in front of her was was the owner of Necromance. Oh, wow. at least at, at least at a certain point in time, she was living in the house right in front of her. 
but um, yeah, the reason I met, the reason I wanted to meet her is that when I when I was a kid, you know, I used to watch the Elvira show, uh, you know, the old the old horror movies and stuff. And then when I I was I was going to Santa Barbara, I picked up a, a film fax, and it had an article about Myla, about Vampira, and about how she actually they they wanted to renew the show with her in the eighties, you know. Oh wow! And so and then. And, you know, she gave her side of the story. And I'm like, this is really, I'd never heard of this. You know, I didn't know there was a, there was, a, I mean, I knew, I knew they were both vamps, you know, right. they were in, but I didn't realize that that was actually going to be her show. And it kind of oh, I didn't got know that. taken out. From, oh, yeah. Oh, no. And so they changed, <laughs> they, well, according to, to Myla, you know, she said that they, they, uh, you know, the whole thing is that she, she, she said, I can't be the girl. I'm older now. I don't have 17 inch waist, you right. know, but she wanted to. She wanted to have a say so in that. Now, I will say that Myla wasn't the best at contractual stuff. Like she wasn't one of those people. She was a handshake person, mm. very trusting. And yeah, took, yeah. Until, a, I got that from the the documentary. I think she talks about that yes. too. She was very she's very trusting until someone burns her, and then you'll never right, get a trust right, back. Right, right, right. Gives you one so, chance. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but I read that article, and I'm like, what a fascinating lady. And then it also kind of scared me because I'm like, she's probably really bitter. And probably, you know, doesn't want to, you know, right. probably doesn't like. And she was doing a signing at a, a place on Melrose. It was like a, it was a cafe slash cinema place. I can't remember the name of it. But she was doing a signing there. And I went, I had the Nosferatu head. And I said, uh, I go, you know, I would really love to do a, a vampire sculpture, you know. And and, uh, and she's like, oh. And I said, here, don't answer it, but just take this with, look at it and tell me if you, if you, you know, if, if you're ever interested And a week by, by, you know, like a lot of time went by and all of a sudden I get this call and it was her and she wow. was like, yeah, can you meet me at this? Yeah. Can you meet me at this, uh, a place? And so I took all the, like all the savings I had, you know, and I said, and I, and I went down there and I go, can I, you know can I put this down as a deposit? And she's like, she's like, Oh, no one's ever done that. You know what I mean? Like, cause at the time people were, they used to talk to her like she was a bag lady, you know, like always, yeah. they'd always see her. She's pushing a, pushing a cart, you know? Uh, it's not wow. like now where, every, you know, since the internet, everyone is like, Oh my God, you know, she, they, they make it sound like she was living on the top of a mountain, but she was poor. Wow. She was really poor. Wow. So, and little by little, um, you know, we started, you know, we'd sit down at cafes and I would draw, you know, she, she would be like, no, no, it has this many stitches on the dress. And, you know, and, um, it was just the most wonderful thing. Cause yeah, she had all these. So stories. cool. <laughs> so amazing. So I started becoming like, I, I met her as sort of a fan of her character. Mm -hmm. And then as I got to know her, I'm like, wow, she's a really fascinating person. And she's been through a lot and a lot of stories she would tell me, you know, I would, I would talk to my, my friends and I go, Oh, she told me this. And they're like, Oh, she's a crazy old lady. You know, she's full of it. When the internet opened up, all of a sudden now there there are the pictures of all these wow. things that she said happened, you know. Wow. And and some that I didn't even some that even surprised me, you know, that stuff that she didn't talk about. Wow. So yes, yeah, very mysterious and wonderful lady, and yeah. funny, like super super funny. Yeah, she seemed I, I she seemed really cool in that documentary. She seemed like, like oh a, yeah like a character, but but really cool and smart yeah. and funny and you know. Yeah, no, she was a magical, magical being as far as I'm concerned, right. for sure. Yeah, I think I think you would have. I mean, if you if you'd have sat and talked with her, I think you'd have had a lot in common. Yeah, <laughs> with, with especially what we were just talking about, because you know she was she would go to like the Bodhi tree. You know, she liked those oh, really? kinds of things. But yeah, I used to go. But there. yes, but she didn't. 
she didn't like, uh, um, you know, she would, she'd get very upset if someone called her a witch or something like she didn't like that. Right. And one day I'm like, what? I go, why do you get so upset, you know, about stuff like that? And she goes, because like Anton LaVey apparently was trying to meet her. And she's like, I don't want anything to do. I don't want anything to do with that guy. I don't I want can, him I understand that. Me. I understand that. <laughs> that's different. That's kind of like a and, different. Uh, but I can also. Side of things, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but, but even even the word witch, you know, and, and I asked her about it. And she goes, she said, because when James Dean died, she goes, they were throwing dead animals in my yard. And everyone was saying I'm a witch, and it was in all the, the you know, like the confidential oh magazine, all these like, uh, you know, all these like uh, whatever you want to call them, these fake magazines, yeah, you know, tabloid, what do you call those uh, tabloids? tabloids. Mm. You know, they wrote all these stories, and it, 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 people were literally like threatening her life, and um, you know, claiming wow. that she killed James Dean because wow. uh, there was a famous, there was a famous story they wrote, and it was like a picture of a. It was like a little dagger stuck in part of a picture of James Dean. Right. And I was asking her about all that stuff, you know, and she was like, you know, she's like, we would drive around in a shimmy, like a, a, a hearse that was shimmying. And it, and it would be Jack Simmons, Milo Normie and J- James Dean. And this was like, they would just, you know, they'd be like running around yeah, to Barney's right. Beanery. That's right. That's right. You know, that's all right. these places running across rooftops and she was married. So it wasn't like a, a right. romantic thing. She, right. she was just, out, you know. Fun. <laughs> having fun and she's she was just you know just i can't even imagine what she was like at that age right she told me she goes i was a lot different when i was young. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not sure what she meant by that but um i, I think uh you know I, I think that that a lot of a lot of stuff later in life kind of um you know she had realizations about things right as we all do yeah, you know yeah. but uh what a cool thing well, yeah. that you, you were able to, I bet you, I mean, you really must've given her so much at the end of her life, you know, just your relationship well, with her and the, and, and, you know, I, I know you've done, you've done a lot for her. Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, the, the main thing with her is I just felt like uh, she was interesting. Cause she would say, you know, she's like, no one ever approaches me, you know, to, to, to do stuff. And, and uh, there were like, Later, there were a few people that approached her, and she she was wary. Mm-hmm. But like there were there were times, you know, like goth kids would make like a vampire purse, and she wouldn't get mad about it. She would, she, you know, she actually wanted one. You right. Know? <laughs> you, you know, like so, she wasn't she wasn't that kind of. Uh, I think that the the issue that she had, the only issue she ever had, is that something that was like destroying the character or destroying her character. Right. Right. That she really had problems with, you right. know. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, she was, you know, like, I don't know. It was a, it was a fun thing. And then after that, um, Randy Bowen was like, I would like to do like a pre-painted statue of Vampira. And so we did that. And she, she, she was like, wow, that's, that's the first time it's ever looked official. Like, you know, a colored bot, you know what I mean? Like, right. See, so I still have those letters that she wrote about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what a gift to be able to give to her at the, you know, as a, at the end of her life. what a gift she gave to me though. Really? Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's yeah. the way I see it. Right. I'm the lucky guy. <laughs> yeah. I know, so, but it's, it's cool that you were able to, uh, you know, um, return the favor. I'm sure she was really appreciative of your friendship huh? and, and you treating her respectfully and not trying to rip her off and, you know, just trying to do good by her. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, she she was wonderful, and I um, I wish I I wish I could have known her more. But it was about eighteen years, you know. We yeah. would meet up 
you know, like one of the only, only senior citizens I've ever known that'll stay out till three in the morning. <laughs> literally, awesome. you'd be at the, you'd be at the diner and she, you know, she's like just chatting away all kinds of wonderful stories. So and, awesome. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's just one of the, the many weird things about you. It's like, it's funny. It's not like you're just this guy who does these amazing automatons. You're like this guy who, you know, has this, had this involvement involvement with uh vampira and you you know you're a great sculptor it's just like you know you've got this amazing cool shop that's like <laughs> i told you is legendary it's like everybody talks about your shop is like this amazing place that you know is, is like almost like the way people talk about guillermo del toro's uh bleak house you know it's bleak this house. Kind of legendary shop i've heard about it for years i have to i i definitely want to come and check it out one of these days because it's definitely to be yeah. amazing well i have you know for the first time i'm i'm i mentioned danny before but i'm working with her on stuff and she's she's an artist in her own right she does like uh very dark fairy tale type things oh, is really? what she's into and she goes by that weirdo danny uh on instagram oh, okay. but uh one word so I'll, I'll check, check that, that weirdo that weirdo danny how do you but, spell danny uh, we, uh d-a-n-n-i Okay. But cool. we we started working together because um that actually there was a guy that that puts on events and he came he found out about me. I can't remember how he found out. Oh, we kept bumping into each other. And uh and finally I saw him in three totally unrelated places. One I went to a a, a sketch thing and he was there. He was the MC. He was doing the thing and I'm like I'm like that guy's kind of weird. He's it's like the middle of the summer and he's wearing like this huge coat, like like a carnival coat. I'm like, he's a oh, weird guy. Was it Bob Self? <laughs> Bob Self, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so and so I go and then I go to the Magic Castle, right? And then there he is again. And I'm like, what? And he's wearing the same thing. And I'm like, he's that's a, that guy's a weirdo. <laughs> no, no, he he was on his own. He, like he was doing business, right? Oh, what he was a talking trip. to people. What a trip. You just happened, it was just coincidental. He, he was just there. Yeah. Wow. And I and I tapped. I tapped him on the shoulder and he kind of just, you know, he, he looked over his shoulder and he's like, Oh yeah. And then he went back to business. <laughs> and then the third time was it, um, was it Mark Ryden's, uh, 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 was it a gay, a gay nineties uh, okay, show? Uh-huh. Right. Yep, and, um, yep. and Mark and Mark had a, he had a diorama in there and, uh, I did some work on the, on the mechanical side of that, That's not right. on the art side. That, that, another amazing uh, thing uh, just, that you did. <laughs> Just a, it's and again that's that's totally Mark's thing. It's not my thing. Right, it, right. The only thing I did on it was like some, but um, but I he Mark invited me to the to the thing, and so I show up there and there's this guy again, right? And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I go, you know, I go, I keep bumping into you. We must have something more in common. I gave him my card and he like quickly just tucked it away and went back to business. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like okay, yeah, whatever, you know. And then like a, a two days later. Two days later, he says, uh, calls me up. Oh my God. He's like, uh, my assistant looked you up. Uh, we have to talk. We have yeah. to talk. We have to do that. Blah, 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 right. And so, right. And then from there, we started doing shows together. And the first thing we worked on was this giant thing called Lily's Cabinet of, uh, of, of Mystery. Yeah. I think and so, I needed help. I, uh, but I desperately needed, I was way in over my head. I had way too many projects going on. I go, I really need help. Do you know anybody? And he's like, uh, he's like, uh, give me some time. And so, like, he comes back and he goes, I only, I only know a few people I think that are suitable for that. And, and he goes through the list and, and then he's like, but the, but the, but the person I think that's most suitable is, is this, is this gal Danny? And I'm like, 
okay. And, uh, you know, well, let's, let's try. And so she came down and we, we started, uh, I go look at, cause she's really good with fabrics. I'm not so good with fabrics. Mm-hmm. And, and so she, she, uh, worked on that part. And, uh, by the time I came back with coffee, it was already like partially stitched up and everything. I'm like, okay, this, this is, <laughs> this is going to work well. Uh, but, but as I, over time, you know, we, um, we started working on all kinds of things and under high pressure cause we were doing these shows mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them were just like crazy deadlines and, you know, super high pressure. So we've been doing that now for like five years, oh, you know? Awesome. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's finally like, I feel like the shop is in place, you know, and the, you know, we're, it's like everything's sort of like in a good, in a good That's position, great. despite that this last year was the worst ever. Okay, what was what, <laughs> this last of... year? Oh, the the pandemic. The last. Aside the, from that. yeah, yeah. What about it though? You, you kind of cut off there oh, for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying that. Uh, I, I was saying that everything seems very well set, with the exception of this past year. That oh put right. A, you know, a cleave into all of us right. creative people. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it looks like that's starting to level yeah. out now, and that's good. So. Yeah. Do, do you have any like uh, uh, any major projects, art pieces that you're working on that you can talk about or, or anything? Um, I've got a, I've got a few in the works. I've got a, 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 um, a, a, a an Edgar Allan Poe thing that I'm doing that's oh, not going to be cool. terribly complicated. Yeah. And, and a few other I always got some some something brewing, right. you know, I got that I don't want to talk about because they are complicated and I don't want to. Like, uh, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing and then fall flat on my face. Go, right. Yeah, I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you on that one. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think going forward, I would like to, you know, the, the whole idea to me was the, the reason why I, I was eager to do stuff with Bob, because he was one of the first people that understood that, um, you know, he, he was like, I want to show people this stuff. And he, the thing with automatons is they don't they don't read well unless they're in an environment. You right, know? It, right. It's hard to, it's hard to display them, and they're they're a technical, you know, what gallery wants to deal with that, right? The technical side of it, right. you know, what I mean, keep it. They want to keep it simple, understandably so. Right. So it, it's I'm always like in this weird, off on you know uh, my own island thing, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. I do love going. You know, I love seeing uh, uh, I love seeing what other people are doing and and uh, going to shows and stuff like that. But I haven't done. I mean, you invited me to do one. Uh, more than one several yeah and i think i only, and i think i only ever had like one small thing in one of your shows because i just right i don't i don't have a lot of things floating around sort of ready to go right. mostly mostly yeah yeah, yeah they're and... mostly like that are like custom building it and then it's delivered boom yeah you know? and then it's gone yeah yeah i hear you yeah it was really really uh, exciting for us to have that piece and that conjoined show it's really oh, that's a, really it, cool it's a, it, it's a great show, and I—I I mean, that, I think that's the first time I ever bumped into you. Was one of one of those yeah, shows, but uh, right, it was a long, long, long time ago. Like, I don't know. It must have been like what third one or something like that. Was it that or, early on? I don't know. It was early. It, it was a lot. It was in a whole different place. It was like in a warehouse somewhere, if I remember right. Um, it was when Paul Paul Komoda had just moved here. If that gives you any time. <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, that... <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a long time ago. What a trip. Well, you know, it's in the we're into I think it's going to be the 11th one if we do it again. So 11 years wow. doing it. Yeah, kind of amazing. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I understand. Yeah, I can't imagine that 
you know, you could, I wonder, have you ever, do you ever reuse pieces? Cause you have all these molds <laughs> and like alter um, them slightly instead of. No, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm more open to that kind of thing than I, than I was in the past because in the past it would be like, you know, there's going to be an addition of three and that's, and that's it, it in the whole yeah, world. Yeah. And then I remember when, when I first, when Guillermo got a hold of me because of uh, Bill Malone, actually, because Bill did a movie oh, okay. called Persom. Right. He did a, and he want, he's like, he wanted me to build something for the movie, but I had just gone through some really bad stuff and I go, I can't. And he says, well, can I borrow some of your pieces and just shoot them and put them in the movie? Oh, really? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So he came here, put up a green screen. He shot the death and resurrection show. He shot, uh, um, like a couple of the other pieces. I think, uh, God, I don't know. There's a few of them he shot and they're in the movie. And I guess he was showing it to Guillermo and Guillermo was like, what, where the hell, what is that? Right. <laughs> And and so I get this out of the blue. I get an email from Guillermo, and he's like, "Oh, you know, he's like, I want to buy stuff. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, Guillermo. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he showed and me. So, uh, he showed me the, the 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 magician one you have with the fire. Isn't that the one? That, uh, oh, yeah, 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 I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. 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 Or, yeah. So he, Amazing. you know, he he was very enthusiastic, and he said. Uh, um, you know, he, he was just like, I, I want to get this one. And I said, well, those are sold out. You know, I go, I, I made an addition of three. And he's like, well, can't you just do it another color? And I go, I, can't, I, I go, Karen, I can't, you know. Yeah. And so finally, you know, finally, I, I, I realized um, I made it. I made them. The ones that I made for him were in solid metal, whereas the other ones were in resin, you know. So they were quite a bit different than. Oh, the, wow. Cool. Yeah. And, and um, but I realized then it's just like maybe putting solid um, additions that are only three or whatever, isn't the best idea on things that aren't terribly complicated, but on the complicated ones, I'm no, probably going to, you be don't want to do more than, <laughs> than a few. No, maybe one for, maybe one for someone, you know, that's really into it. And then one for me and then that's it. But I'm trying to make right. what I'm trying to do with the Poe and all that. I'm trying to make them because there's been so many people that are like, Oh, I would love to get one of these things, you know, but uh, the, the real complicated ones are, not only are they expensive, but they kill me. And I, at the end, I'm, I don't have anything anyway. Right. So it's kind of, I'm trying to find, you know, a, a balance between those two worlds and, and, uh, and, and maybe make, you know, like even a little pendant that I made recently, it, it's made for, it's, it's not made for people that are, you know, super rich. Like you can, it's affordable for what it is, right, is, right. is the going kind of going back to my roots. All this stuff happened that way. It was mm -hmm. just like, you know, kind of, uh, it, it wasn't, I wasn't making things for Kings in the beginning. You right. know? <laughs> it was just like guys like myself, they were like, Oh, I'd like that. Right, cool, right. you know? It would be so awesome it, to have like, to have a, uh, in a, you know, a large edition of something that that's easily or fairly easily reproducible. Like all the gears, you have it all patterned out. It's just a matter of like, okay, I'm going to make 10 of these well, or, that's 20 what, or whatever. That's why. Uh, that's kind of why I've been setting up the shop the way I've been doing it, and also why I've been, you know, looking into, um, you know, all, all kinds of technical things in that direction. You know, because what I learned is, at the end of the day, when people buy stuff, it's the art that's, like, you could go and do the most crazy mechanical thing, you know, um, but they'll remember, you know, like a, a fire. Right, like you, right. you just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. you showed me the thing with the fire, right? <laughs> which isn't the most, which isn't the most difficult thing about that piece. But right. I learned that, you know, I learned that from a guy that was on stage, and that, like, when I when I made my first magician, um, uh, I used to be roommates with Ogre from Skinny Puppy, right? Oh, wow. So he he came by the shop and he says, he goes, 
oh, it'd be cool if it had fire, right? And I'm like, okay, that's easy. <laughs> and I put it on the on the early one. It was a little flash pot, right? It was like a little magician's flash pot kind uh -huh. of a thing. And I put that in. I swear to God, that's what everybody remembers. They're just like, you know, that's when, that's, that's the moment where you get the ooh, right? Yeah, it's so true. Showmanship, you know. Because and it's well, well, not only that. I mean, it goes back to primitive man, right? It's fire. Right. It's like ooh, right, oh, like, right. Yeah, <laughs> one of the primal elements, you know. And I and so I'm trying to think of you know I'm trying to think more in terms of or or listening or paying it like Danny and I are watching theatrical stuff all the time. Everything from musicals to crazy you know and she's really she knows all that stuff much better than i do i'm i'm you know now it's kind of like a new thing to me i'm like whoa some of these spectacles were crazy right you know visual spectacles and yeah. stuff but um but i'm trying to pay more attention to the theater part of it um uh and and do everything from around that rather than trying to impress with technical right because right. like you said you know those Spectral motion guys, like some of the stuff they're doing, like mechanically, forget it. You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a different level altogether. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny. It, it's funny when, when you when you realize that uh, you know some since you you know how all the stuff's made, it would take someone like you to fully appreciate some of the more complex things. But yeah. to the to the layperson or just even just a, a collector that doesn't know all this technical knowledge. They might like the simpler thing. Yeah, that, that absolutely. You just, you, you're just like, why would they like that? It's so easy. You just exactly. do this and this. And it's like, but they well, don't no, know that, the difference. They're just looking at how well, it makes them feel, at, you know, how cool it is. Exactly. And I think I think it's possible when you start to get, uh, and this is true with anything, with music, with any, you know, you, you get so enamored with the technical part of it that you forget what you're trying to, message right. you're trying to send, right. story you're trying to tell, you know. And then you lose, you know, you're pleasing yourself, but you're losing everyone else in the process right, because they, right. you know, and I learned that I think the most on the clock tower because that, that thing was like way over my, like I, you know, it, I worked on that for four years and it's oh just technically it's, it's, wow. it's like, I look, I look at it and it makes my head hurt. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's joy, but there's like not Pain. as much joy. As <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to get back to, you know, the, the things that make me happy and that, that are you know, sending the, the, the story or the message that I want to send right. versus like, Oh, how, you know, how many tricks can you do or whatever? Right, you know, right. like how many, how, how fancy can you get? Right. Yeah. It's, fun. it's, it's, it's like that with, uh, with, with painting as well. It's like, you know, once I discovered how to make something look like it's glowing in a painting, oh, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, it's you, you go, Oh, okay. I know how to do that. And then you don't think about it, but then it's, it seems easy. Like, you know, whatever it's, it's cool, but people like respond to it. Like, Oh my God, it looks like there's a light well, behind the painting. And it's like, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the thing. I it's... think you, Guillermo, does Guillermo have one of those, right? Doesn't he have a, yeah. does he have a, yes. Wait, wait, which the... he has one of the, the, one of the flaming ones of yours. Does he or no? Uh, he's got a lot. He, that's what I, yeah. yeah Cause I, I saw a lot of my paintings. Time. The first time I ever saw one of your paintings was at his place. The first time I saw it up close. Oh, like, okay. you know, oh cool. I saw, I've, I've seen photos ever since, like way back, you know, right. many social media, many social medias <laughs> ago. MySpace ago. <laughs> MySpace, yeah. <laughs> but that was the first time. And I remember, I, I think I even, you know, I, 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 I'm like, yeah, that's the first time I ever got to see it up close, you know. And oh, wow. uh, 
the first time I saw you, but you were mobbed with people back then. It was at one of the shows and you were pulled in 50 oh, different okay. directions. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny though, because it's like, you, you know, you, uh, it says that you're not impressing yourself with it. And then it's like, you, you, you take it for granted that, that exactly. people are going to see it and go, Oh my God, it's so cool. That illusion of something glowing that you have to, you have to remember not, you know, most people don't know how it's done. And, for most people, it's going to be like a, an amazing thing. So you have to like, it is, you know, not take it for granted. Like I could spend you know, some of my best paintings are ones that, you know, I did early on when I was just learning how to paint. And it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, getting better technically does not mean you're going to make better paintings as far as like what no. the pe- what people love or even what are great paintings. You know, it's like uh, you think that, I don't know. It's like the more technical you get into it, the more it's like uh, it's easy. Just like you're saying, it's easy to overlook things that that people would really appreciate the kind of flashiness yes. or the colorfulness or that thing, the entertainment value or something. I don't know if that's yeah. the right way of saying it. but And I find, you know, uh, I think that also for me, like silent movie, um, like the gestures and silent movies and stuff are worth for an automaton maker worth studying because they had no voice. So yeah. Yeah. Every, a lot, they're telling a lot of the story, you know, with, with very broad uh, gestures. And uh, I mean, you know, to animate a hand, it, it would not, it would take you forever to make, you know, a, a little tiny hand to, to animate it would take forever. But if you have a gesture that's already, uh, and I, and this again is something I kind of learned from people, uh, that were old timers at Disney, you know, some of the stories that they would tell about telling them, telling the most story because they, they had to do it within a certain budget. Um, and so, you know, the, like on the Pirates of the Caribbean, I remember seeing a drawing that Mark Davis did where he did a correction and it was a pirate and both hands were free and moving. And then he he redrew it. So one hand was planted on something. Mm-hmm. So when the fig- when the figure is moving, this arm is moving with it. All right. But there, there's no mechanism All or right. no cost in the arm. But the audience doesn't know or care. They right. see, a, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I and that's where those guys were geniuses because right. they they were all from vaudeville and silent movies and and that's to me the difference between the old Imagineers and the new ones is that those old timers they had a different background, you know, right. uh, a much more of a stage background where you're interacting with people. And that's why I think those early rides were so damn good. Well, yeah, you they're know? still. I mean, they're, they're still they're still. still. Yeah. amazing you know it's amazing it's just crazy it's crazy like something like that doesn't happen hap- happens like you know it, it's very rare that something as amazing as as disneyland happens really and we had a i had a, a chance with uh you know with with bob who i just mentioned earlier you know uh to do we did roly crump did a, a show with all right. of his artwork yeah yeah right before it all got dispersed you know right and that was that was really something to see it was in it was in the oceanside so it wasn't right near in the la area unfortunately i think a lot more people would have seen right. it um but it was it was a great experience and roly you know i remember i i built a miniature of his gypsy cart because mm-hmm. he he was working on a, a he, he, there was an, an attraction called uh uh, there was an attraction called the, the Museum of the Weird that was supposed to be right before the Haunted Mansion. Right. And it never happened. Walt died and it all went in a different direction. But um, I, I, I was building the gypsy cart and I'm asking him all these questions. And he's like, all I did was that one drawing. That I just have that one <laughs> side. And he's like, do whatever. He goes, do whatever you want with it. And, you know, have fun with it. You know? And I'm like, yeah, but I want, 
I'm like, I want to stick to what you were trying to do. And he's just like, no, no, just have fun with it. I tried to stick to what he did, but um, like the, the, the show was opening and everything. And finally I'm sitting next to him and I go, where did, what was your influence when you were coming up with all that stuff? And some of it I knew, but then he brought up uh, um, Fellini's uh, 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 spirit. Oh shoot. You know which one I'm talking about? Cause he was, he was like, that's the one that inspired uh, the, the gypsy cart the most. Oh wow! You know which one? I'm, I'm it, um, spirits. Some Juliet of the Spirits, I oh. think, is the name of the movie. Oh, okay, okay. I don't. And know I that. ran out and bought. It. I ran out and bought it, and I was watching it because I hadn't seen it before. And I'm like, oh yeah, because then there's the giant wheels, and there's and it's there's no gypsy cart, but that's the way his head. You know, those oh, old wow. guys, <laughs> they were sponges. You know, yeah. and uh, and again, that's something I'm attracted to, or people that are just like you know they're just taking in all as much information as they can from all different kinds of sources right you know even if you're doing monsters or whatever you know there's oh, still yeah. all kinds of other things so definitely yeah wow yeah what a, it's all amazing to have worked with him as well it's like you you, you, uh, you very, very you know very little i wish i could have you know i wish i, I could have done more but uh that to me it was like this is the only chance i'm ever going to get to you know <laughs> it's <laughs> so, amazing though for a for a a, a a disney geek to be able to do oh, anything yeah. with uh you know no these guys were incredible they were they were a different kind of a uh, a different cut i think of a person you know yeah. i don't know how it is but not to say better or worse, but I, I can relate more to those people than I can to, to modern. I don't know why, but yeah, yeah, yeah um, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Wow. Uh, you know, I've kept you over two hours. I have to, let, I have to stop. I feel bad. Right. Um, no, no, that this was, was just, great. I, I, I could, really, really I, enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I could I could go another hour or two, I'm sure. But um, maybe 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 sometime we could have you on again later if you if you ever have the time. Um, All right. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for for coming on. It was uh, well. Thank you for thank you for having me. I'm sorry it took a while, but oh no problem. It was it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. Right. There's just so many. I, I ne- someday I got to have you back on again because there's so many, so many other things I haven't asked you. I was really wanting to get into the technical stuff about your automatons, but we'll, we'll have a part two, part two, uh, someday down the line, but, (laughs) um, yeah, thanks again for, for coming on. It was really great, really amazing. And, uh, yeah, your stuff is just, you're just like, you really are in a class by yourself, which is really such a great place to be because it's like, you know, no one else is doing what you're doing and you're doing it uh, in a really signature way. And I'm so glad that you're doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm just really glad that you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad that you are part of the, you know, the you're doing it in using the, you know, dark art elements. You know, you're yes. not doing like happy. <laughs> I mean, no, it's happy to no. me. It's joyful. It's it's you know it, well there's, it, there's mystery there's mystery and darkness yeah you know, exactly that's the thing. exactly that's the Great. thing i 100 percent agree yeah. but, um i'm just i'm uh glad i think it's really great um i said this to to uh i don't know one of the chris mars maybe or or no it was jim pavlik which is the last um artist on here it's just like uh grateful that you're you're part of the community because that really elevates all of us that are doing this dark stuff, you know, thank you. 
when we have these really great artists doing stuff, it's like it helps validate us to the greater art world. You know, when it's like really talented people like you that are just doing mind blowing shit. You know, you could be doing stuff that didn't have that dark occulty edge to it. And, you know, I'm glad you are, though. <laughs> it's really well. I'm just I'm, I'm as grateful to you and all the all the other artists as well. You know, it goes it goes both ways. So, yeah, thank well, you. Thank you for having me on here. And sorry if I yip yap too much. But hell no, it was great. You're a super easy interview. No, I appreciate it. All right. Well, let's uh, say goodbye to the audience. This is what I do at the end of every podcast. I don't know why I do it because I think it's so stupid, but I got into this like tradition of saying goodbye. So we have to say bye, audience. So say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye. And thank you guys out there for listening. I appreciate it. All right. (laughs) Thanks again for uh, coming on. And thanks everybody for listening.